Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. from the ashes it's time to fly welcome back to another episode of the phoenix splash podcast i'm one of your home hosts jason cornelius bell jcb one-third of the band from ringside podcast and my usual co-pilot over there in louisville kentucky my man my ace boon coon brett jager one half of the brain buster boys brett jager what's going on tell me something good baby boy I pledge allegiance to Yota Suji. Mm. Even though he is not our new world champ, I pledge allegiance. As Kevin Kelly and them were saying yesterday, what a performance. Can't wait to get into that. Mm. Fuck stardom. Can't wait to get into that. Yeah, I'm down on stardom. We hinted at it last time. I'm even more down on it this time. But boy, New Japan is cooking with gas, and I'm ready. I am excited about all that. And happy to have our first guest, who I will let you introduce right now. Almost stole my thunder, but since you my co-pilot, I ain't got no problem with that. Brett is right. We have our very first special guest on the PSP. I call him my wrestling lord and savior because he was the brains, the 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 hustle behind scoring the forbidden door tickets, the first forbidden door. So that will always be history. So you can never take that away from us. This is the hardest working man in visual global media history right now as we speak. Count the fucking podcast. Chop it up with Tom. Uh, high five time showcase ROH Revelry Midwest Roundup. He is here, my man. My I'm gonna say it, my nigga. High five time. Tom, <laughs> what's going on, my brother? Tell me something good. Welcome to the PSP. Well, I normally reserve this for Bull and Brett, but I just gotta ask, gentlemen, how the fuck are you? <laughs> oh man, we feels are good well. to have it here. We and are Tom doing well. Tom is the glue between JCB and I going back to that Forbidden Door trip last year. So uh, it just made too much sense to have him on here. And Tom, uh, we know you got real into this year's Best of the Super Juniors tournament. So I know I, for one, and I'm sure JCB, too, are excited to chop it up with you. How about yeah, that? I, I mean, thanks to you guys. You guys really kind of uh, reignited. Uh, to anyone that listens to any of my podcasts, I've been down you know, a bit on current wrestling. Uh, but yeah, you two really kind of got me jacked up on New Japan Pro Wrestling. And man, that fucking tournament. Woo! Got another uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, we, if, we ever, if we ever make our text thread, you know, public, people will know what the fuck we're talking about. So this is very true. Uh, Brett did the mistake of the 2023 year and put us all on a text thread. Myself, <laughs> Tom, Brett, and. 
Alex Azar, uh, the fourth member of this text thread, and it has been. I think you guys are feeling the brunt of it more than anything because it's become my outlet to spew my insanity. Uh, I've been working a hell of a lot lately, so uh, there's been a lot of insanity rattling up in that brain that uh, you guys have just taken the brunt of. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was about time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Azar was kind of my dude, you know, before I met any of you all or anyone through wrestling podcasting that, you know, I talked to the most. And uh, obviously, so Tom met Azar before yeah. I met Tom, actually, in person, yeah. at least. How's that and happen? That's another. Uh, Azar moved to Milwaukee for like a few months as part of like an internship, I think. Um, so it was what, Tom, what, like a month or two before Bo and I went up there to visit you guys that summer at 21? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like early June he moved up. Yeah, and we came up in August. But yeah, it was that's the, just a very funny thing that Tom and I had met many, many times, you know, over Zooms and whatnot. But he met Azar in the real life before me. So, uh, interesting little nugget there. Small yeah, we took him to Pizza Shuttle, uh, took him to a couple ICW shows. So, um, NWA's Daisy Kills was very infatuated with uh, Azar, so that was always a good time. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a story to itself. Let me let, us, let yeah. me get us back on track. All right, uh, this week we're going to talk about um, the BSJ, BSOJ semifinal and the final. We're going to jump back and talk about some matches, maybe that. If you didn't watch the whole thing or you want to watch specific matches, we'll throw some couple matches out your way so you can kind of get the highlights and get the uh, the results that you're looking for as well. Then we'll go over to Dominion. That was obviously a couple nights ago. Like Brett said, the main event, Yodosuji versus Sonata will answer Tom's question on the text thread is this something that he should be excited for were you excited obviously Brett was I'll say my thoughts here in a little bit and then we'll go over to stardom uh, they had their flashing champions uh, pay-per-view stop it <laughs> with Tam Nakanu versus uh, Amina Shirakawa for the then Kevin Kelly spoiled for me thank you see, Kevin see Kevin <sighs> God bless you, but see that we love you, Kevin. Yeah, we love you. That's one of the things where I, I have to always remember if there's a stardom and a New Japan show pretty close together, you should watch the stardom show first because Kevin Kelly and or Chris Charlton will spoil it for your ass if you don't know. So obviously, <laughs> Brett found out the spoiler of uh, the main event, and we'll talk about that and the rest of the card in general. And then we have two matches that we really wanted to spotlight on the DDT final um i think that was earlier in uh may i can't remember the exact date you had chris brooks versus huguchi in the may, final may may 21st i was gonna say the 21st final. okay i watched it this morning and uh amazing so we'll talk about that and then finally we'll talk about the return of match of matches as far as I'm concerned one of the best matches I've seen in a hot minute Kano versus Nakajima Nakajima obviously leaving Congo Kano leader of Congo you kind of know what's getting ready to happen here we're not going to spoil that just yet and as we talked last time the rematch of my 2021 match of the year a 60 minute draw between those two and not to get too far ahead, but I'm going to guess we've got another one between these two here in the near future. So, uh, yeah. It's a possibility. Bottle up, 
Buckle up and put your adult diapers on, baby. All right, here we go. Let's talk about a little New Japan. We're going to start with the BSOJ first. So this is a guy that I have been kind of touting even on Band from Ringside, and I was laughed at when I said this guy might be one of the superstars of the future. And slowly but surely, Master Wado came from the B block and started winning matches, started climbing up the ladder, and then the next thing you know, He's in a scenario where he needs to win and get a little help. But, as you all know, Master Wado got the win, got a little help. We'll start right there. Master Wado versus Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey was a guy that I had winning the A block, which he did. I had Desperado winning the B block, which he did. But the curveball this year, like we talked about in the past, is that you had runner-up spots. Master Wado gets the runner-up spot in the B block. Teton gets the runner-up spot in the A block. So you had the runner-up versus the winner and vice versa. So on the 26th of May, you had Master Wado versus Mike Bailey and Teton versus Desperado in the semifinals. Let's start with that. Tom, you're the guest. Take either match you want to talk about first and go from there. Oh, gee, it's tough. Um, (laughs) I did have T. Well, I didn't think he. I was rooting for T. Tom, but I didn't pick him. Uh, but obviously, anyone that knows me, um, obviously you two know, I am a huge, huge, huge uh, Speedball Mike Bailey fan. Um, the that, that was uh, kind of an upset, but goddamn, it was a uh, you know hashtag fuck of a match for sure. Um, <laughs> and it was great to see T. Tom. Um, I have a special place in my heart. Uh, he did land in my uh, seat once. At a Ring of Honor show back in 2019, so it's cool to see him. But uh, yeah, him and Despy and that fucking that final. I mean, I know we'll get to it, but I mean, uh, Brett, you were touting, you know, in our text thread, and I know Jason, you talked about Master Watto on BFR, uh, being a loyal listener that I am. Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, <laughs> but you know, we'll talk about it later. But he proved that he deserved to win it. You know, we'll get to that later on, you know, on the show because that that match he had with Hiromo was a fucking. I don't know, man. It might have been match of the night, and that's saying a lot for, for my personal opinion. So, um, yeah, that's a lot to unpack. You know, I definitely had Speedball winning. It would be cool to see him win, but he's fucking over. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to be back. I hope to see him a new fan more often. Um, yeah, it was it was just a blast. It was a great end to a great fucking tournament, and I literally watched every single match. Uh, which is saying a lot for me, so. Welcome aboard to the uh, the asylum, Brett. Um, I'll let you go next. Um, either match you want to talk about: uh, Waddle versus Bailey, and or Teton versus Desperado. You know what? Let me just jump ahead slightly and just say, if we would have thought at the beginning of the tournament that the final was going to be hmm. Master Watto versus <laughs> Teton, and it be the best match of the tournament, I would have said you're fucking crazy. Mm. But here we are. You ain't lying. And again, it's just a testament from when we started this show, which was after Wrestle Kingdom of this year. And then I think it took us a few episodes to, to proclaim New Japan is back. And we're, not only is it back, it is by far the best promotion in the world right now for my money. But yes, I think it is because it's rewarded all of us who slogged through it, who slogged through COVID and the clap crowds to get to this point. And obviously with Dominion, we'll talk about 
so many new changes, but just to have a master Watts over his Teton final and it hit a home run, not only that, speedball Mike Bailey, MVP of the tournament for my money, um, just every single match was just unbelievable, including this one against Watto, which I actually preferred of the two semifinals. I went four and a half on speedball Watto and a, and a high four and a quarter on uh, Desperado Teton. I know JCB was kind of the opposite of me there. Both incredible matches. Both had incredibly high urgency, hot crowds. The stakes were high. And like Tom said, I mean, the whole tournament was just so damn good. And it sucked Tom in. Like he said, he watched every single match, which warmed my heart, that's for sure. And uh, so happy to have you on board here today and hopefully in the, the near future and beyond for New Japan. But, uh, yeah. yeah, both these semifinals were absolutely outstanding. And then, like I said, I think the final was the best match of the tournament. So, uh Yeah. JCB, how about you, brother? Um, I gave Wado Bailey four and a half. I gave Teton uh, Desperado 4.75. Not too much further from you, but the Teton match, when he jumped off of that uh, that scaffold or the second tier, whatever you want to call it, that's when I was like, okay, you know, this is now getting to the point where you can <laughs> see Teton really, really wants it. The tap out of Desperado didn't see that coming. I thought that's something to be said about that. This was a hard push for Watto Teton on on that side of the fence. Desperado is over as far as I'm concerned. High Five said it best. Mike Bailey is super over. So, I mean, him getting to this point, like I said, uh, when Ace Austin last year, him getting to this point to me was a win. If he won the whole thing, it had been the cherry on top. I'm glad they did it this way because, A, this made me a, a Teton fan. I was always, I'm LIJ till I die, and him joining LIJ always kind of seemed like, you know, a little off to me, and I've always kind of, you know, held him from, you know, at arm's length. Now I'm cugging him in because this motherfucker has won me over, and obviously Master Watto, number two, probably the bigger story just to see him come from Young Lion stage to this point, same way with Ren Narita, same way with uh, Shoto Umino, these guys, uh, Yoto Suji, these guys are now coming back and they're making impacts in their own various different ways. Obviously, let, let, me, say, let me say something about that real quick. Because while he is similar to those guys, I feel like he ate a lot more shit and struggled a lot more to kind of get to this point, you know, like, the anti Yoda Suji, so to speak, who literally was thrust into the main event of the second biggest show of the year without ever seeing him. We've seen Master Watto underachieve. You know, they showed the, the his debut match in front of no fans. So, like, obviously that's a tough spot to debut in, period. He had the full blue hair, kind of looking like a geek. You know, it's he's really evolved so much from that point. And I think it was Wrestle Kingdom this year was the moment where you could see, like, okay, this motherfucker's got something. Right. You know, totally he'd, had some good, he'd had some good matches last. Like, I think last year is when he really started to kind of come out of his shell a little bit. I know he had a good title. I think he challenged Desperado for the title, came up short, but looked good in doing so. You know, had some solid matches in the BSOJ, but nothing like this year. So, to just see his journey, you know, he's a guy that I hadn't necessarily written off, but had kind of thought, you know, maybe he's just never going to get there. And obviously, you know, he hasn't won the junior heavyweight title quite yet, but he looked damn good in that match against Hiromu, like Tom said. So, yeah, yeah I'm just, 
very impressed and happy to see him, you know, really get to this point and really deserve it. So, uh, yeah, kudos. And I just want to touch that. I got to give your boy Bill a little more credit, Jason. Oh, Jesus this, Christ, come he on. Had me, he had me fucking laughing my ass off with, Master Watson. <laughs> <laughs> because he was going against El Desperado. So I hadn't told you that yet, but that was killing me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's he had a pretty solid bill. weekend for Bill's sake. God bless him. You know, he needs all the help he can get. Um, I, I totally agree with what you, the, uh, the Watto, uh, comparison, not even comparison, just talking about the journey from the crap crowd debut to this point. This is New Japan, so him winning the title probably was asking a little too much. I like the fact that they got him the chance to face Hiromu, and then he loses to Hiromu. Not a big deal. Everybody loses to Hiromu. I mean, that's not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, let's give grades for the final, Teton and Wado. Brett, what did you give it? Yeah, I went four and three quarter. Like I said, I think it was the match of the tournament. Again, the crowd. The whole tournament, the crowd was just so fucking great, but you know, it felt like for the, the semifinals and the finals, just a fever pitch, all three of those matches, and both guys over-delivered, you know. Like like I said, like, that's a final that I don't think anyone could have predicted. And if you did, fucking kudos to you. No shit. Um, you the real Negro, Domus. The crowd was hot. Both, both, yeah, I would have never seen that one coming. Both no. guys performed way up to the spot. Again, you guys have been talking a lot of Teton. I haven't said as much about him. He's amazing. You know, like he, I think it was 2019 BOSJ, or I've been saying BSOJ, BOSJ, Jesus, uh, <laughs> where he kind of came first. And then I think he was in it maybe 2021, 22. But like I was always impressed with the guy, but, the, you know, he was never a contender. Right. And frankly, this year I didn't think he would be one. Even, right. you know, he's, he's in LIJ now, but it's just like, Again, a guy that he is good enough, and he proved it, and just so happy to see him in that spot as well. But, yeah, 475. I had only other one other 475 in the tournament. That was El Desperado and uh, Francesco Akira, which was an incredible match. But I'm going to give the final the bump, and, yeah, say it's the best match of the tournament. I agree with you. This is the best match of the tournament, and that's why I gave it the bump. It get, to me, this is a five star match, no question about it. Considering who it was, argue, I can't argue with that. I saw Meltzer gave it five too, but yeah. Considering absolutely. who it was, the stage they were on, the stakes that were involved, and the performance given, man, I, I, there was. If you get if you get a chance, we're gonna talk about other matches as well to kind of uh, feed you along to you know enjoy the ride. If you want to go back and watch uh, BSOJ. Uh, after the fact, but for me, this this is the one. This put Watto on the map. This made Teton. This reinforces Teton's push for me throughout the BSOJ. Now nah, you got me. Got me saying it. Uh, <laughs> like I said, for me, I thought this was a five star match. Tom, did you give this a grade at all? Um, no, but I can uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. I was, I was just asking. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, I got to go with Jason here a little bit just for this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, Jesse, he's lost three times in a row in the, final, in the finals. Is that right? I thought Kevin Kelly said. Mm, well, he didn't make the final this year. 
He was in the semi, but let's see. what who? I know he lost to Hiromu in 20, 2020, but I don't think he was in all of those finals, was he? No, that, is, that sounds a little That's not, okay. um, off. Yeah, I was, could be wrong. Yeah, I think just, I mean, the simple fact, I mean, they gave him 25 minutes. I think, if I'm not mistaken, probably the longest match of the tournament. I believe it is. Uh, you know, by, by quite a bit. Um, I, I just love you. Listen, I, I'm a Teton guy. Uh, Master Water was definitely getting on me, so I'm going to go five stars. Fucking. So I just looked it up. It was Hiromu over Desperado in 2020 and 2022, but it was Hiromu over Yo in the final. final in okay, that's, that's okay. the one. That's the one I forget about all the time. And that, that was an amazing yeah. fucking match. Um, let's talk Except about. for show interfering for about 15 minutes. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's house of tor- it's house of torture. Fuck show, fuck show is right. Um, let's talk it's about some. Let, let, we'll get to them jokers here in a second. Trust me, we'll we'll make that shit quick. I have no reason to talk about them jokers if I don't absolutely have to. Brett, throw some matches out there for people that are trying to catch up or want to watch it for the first time throw some matches out there that's not uh not on people's radar that you you would tell people to watch if they wanted to go back and start watching some of the bsoj yeah absolutely. And, jesus yeah. <laughs> and you guys did this on bfr as well and uh you said the one that i would have said which now is even more interesting right. which we'll get to and that being 100 proof clark connors against the driller dan maloney uh, I won't spoil it for that, but in this match, it was the final night of block action. Both guys eliminated. Both the the two, I'd say, largest juniors, you know, they're both fucking jacked, big dudes, and they both came out there and just wanted to murder each other. Probably, what, five minutes before the bell even rang, they're just beating the piss out of each other all around the venue, in the, in the seats and whatever. They get in the ring, bell rings, it doesn't stop. They end up back out. It's just a fucking fight. You know, I think the official time was like four and a half minutes, but <laughs> I went four and a half stars on it because the whole, the whole thing was just, it was a sight to see, man. Like, you just don't see guys going at it like that in the best of the Super Juniors. And like I said, even more interesting now after what happened at Dominion, um, I mentioned Akira and uh, Desperado. Just the performance from Akira in that match, like incredible heart, underdog, babyface, wouldn't tap out. Mm. Um, you know, he finally did, but it seemed like he probably would have ten minutes earlier. Um, but yeah, that was just an incredible match. Here's just a, a smattering here. I've got Mike Bailey and Hiromu. Hiromu and Kushida, which was interesting because they fought outside. First it was match the to night. fight outside. And it was the night after the Roddy Strong Jericho match on yep. Dynamite where they fought outside. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Mike Bailey and Leo Rush, El Desperado, Robbie Eagles, Master Wado, Mike Bailey. We talked about that. Um, let's see, Eagles and Akira, another yep. awesome one that I loved. Um, TJP and Hiromu. So yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of them right there. But yeah, the the tournament was just. So fucking good from beginning to end. You said your MVP was Mike Bailey. Yeah, I would say so. The whole tournament, just like every single match of his, was just amazing. And I mean, he just did not take his foot off the gas for any single match. Like even the Taguchi match, and hell, Taguchi had some some fun, solid matches throughout. But 
their match was, I thought was even excellent. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Speedball. And just how he connected with that Japanese crowd, and they just fucking loved him. Um, yeah, he was just so good. And uh, hope hope we get to see the uh, the him challenge Hiromu for the IWGP Junior Belt because he beat him on night one. So, uh Hopefully that will be coming down the line. Don't tease me with a good time. Uh, Tom, any matches that Brett didn't throw out there that you want to throw out there or a specific wrestler that you want to tell people that they should be watching moving forward? Oh, gee. Well, that, that list, I mean, I think really with the exception of show, I mean, all of them. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, listen, yeah, I, Doki even impressed me, but uh, obviously, I mean, Speedball is the man. Um, Brett, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but uh, Leo Rush versus Speedball. Um, oh, if I didn't, I meant to. That one was also amazing, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I thought I was watching on like four times the speed. I know yeah. you just were fucking flying. Uh, but yeah, and that and like so the, the Akira and Robbie Eagles match. I mean, Robbie Eagles impressed me. I'm a TMDK guy. Uh, Kevin Knight didn't have a lot of success, but holy fuck, that guy's athletic, and we'll talk about it later. Mm. Um, and uh, and uh, somebody that surprised me, I had very high hopes for in a big story uh, for the wrong reasons, but Ishida getting, what, four points, two points? Yeah, Damn. yeah. That's a good call. Um, I thought he could not to cut you off, but I thought he could have been an easy semifinal pick, you know, like his first, you know, the former ace of the division, his first tournament back, like, so an interesting story they're going with him. But yeah, Tom, that was definitely a surprise for me to see him only win two matches. I, yeah, like, I, I credit Kyle O'Reilly versus Koshida. Uh, and the best of, uh, I think it was 2015 final, I think. Yeah, and, like, unbelievable really, match. Um, was actually probably literally the first non-WDE match I saw. I got back, so I kind of planted the seed. But, yeah, that was crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that damn, especially now with what's going on, obviously we'll cover it later. Uh, but, yeah, Connors and, and Maloney, I, just, I say this a lot, but it was a great story told through violence. <laughs> um, <you> know, Absolutely. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it was, and that's what's really, really impressed me with New Japan is the fucking storytelling all the way through. And it continued to what we watched this weekend. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously we can watch people do flippy do shit all day. Uh, we can watch people beat each other up, but there's reasons for it. And you get invested, you know, like when Tito, when Bailey lost, I mean, I, I got out of my chair and had to walk away from work. I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tom, obviously, you know, you've watched plenty of New Japan in your life, of course, but to watch this much, this consistently in a row, you see that storytelling, it plays out in the ring, you know? It's not yeah. really, like, too many promos, nothing really backstage. You know, they have, like, the comments backstage after the matches, but, like, it's pretty much what you see right in front of you in the ring or like, you know, that happens after a match out there. So it's a different form of storytelling, but when they're on and they sure are right now, it's as good as it fucking gets. And uh, I can't wait to talk about bullet club a little bit more later, but um, I do want to just give Dan Maloney a lot of credit here because, you know, although he may not have had, like, the highest star ratings for me, you know, he was a guy I'd never seen coming into this tournament and that I came out of being like, I fucking love this guy. And, you know, he's so unique and, you know, he's a badass. He looks like such a prick. Um, and now he's going to be part of this new Bullet Club that's 
certainly taken shape, and I love to see it, but got to give the Drillis some credit. And one more match I didn't mention is the Teton over Hiromu. Mm-hmm. Shock, you know, to yeah. get Teton into the semifinals. So maybe he will challenge her, you know, Hiromu certainly in the midst of what appears to be an epic title run. So we've got a few uh, potential challengers that beat him in this tournament. So uh, we shall see what happens. Uh, Tom, I'm assuming you're going with Mike Bailey as uh, your MVP as well? Yes. Okay, yeah. we'll just um, make it easy and unanimous. Uh, Mike Bailey, like uh, Brett said, connected with the crowd. I think it was the most important thing. And the crowd went along with his ride all the way to the semifinals. Um, Yo is somebody that I think didn't get a, a lot of uh, talk about in this tournament, him versus, versus Master Wado, him versus Desperado. I think two matches that really stood out as well. We gave Robbie Eagle some love. Uh, I agree with everybody what you said, minus show. I think the show House of Torture thing has been well discussed on the pod. I don't want to run it down any more than we already have because we're getting ready to do it in like 30 seconds. Any other <laughs> final thoughts on best of the Super Juniors 34 high five time? Uh, you know, I do want I know we have a little bit of hate because he spoiled uh, the stardom final, but Kevin Kelly um, <laughs> on commentary, I mean, anyone that listens to my show, we love Kevin Kelly on Ring of Honor Revelry. Uh, there's a reason for that, but I mean, he's a big part of why this was such an enjoyable watch, you know, just kind of explaining. And Chris Charlton, I mean, I didn't know this guy. That guy's a fucking amazing. And everybody that came on commentary, like TJP, Robbie Eagles was great mm-hmm. on commentary, uh, Kevin Knight, Speedball. Um, it was it was great action, but also, yeah, Kevin Kelly and all the announcers really kind of explaining the story for like a newbie like me. This is all fresh to me, so I'm like, oh, okay, that explains that. And how they're talking, like you talked about Dan Maloney's the story with you know with him and Osprey, right. you know, because Osprey, you know, handpicked him. And, you know, Robbie Eagles, uh, said he was felt kind of shafted because he got, you know, he got recruited by TJP. Right. No offense to TJP, but he's not Will Ospreay. So just like the little things like that were, were fucking amazing. So that's what got me wrapped up was, like you said, the storytelling in the ring. You know, it's not promo driven. Um, it's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. And that commentary certainly aids to that storytelling and gives it, you know, another la- layer that, you just don't get when you're watching the Japanese commentary, which, you know, I certainly love to do sometimes, of course. But, yeah, I mean, I was giving Kevin some shit earlier. That was certainly <laughs> a joke because we praised them a million times here, and I think he and Chris are the best commentary team in the world, uh, bar none, with uh, our boy Stuart and Mark Pickering from Noah in the number two slot. But, yeah, the, the commentary in the whole tournament here and at Dominion – uh, just spot on and uh, really kind of bringing the stories to life here. But, yeah, uh, I don't really have anything else to add. Just uh, wanted to kind of aid on Tom's point there. I couldn't agree yeah, with you more. Kelly, make sure you jump on BFR one of these days. We need you as a guest. So, <laughs> Actually, we want him here on, on this one first. And then if he, got, if, if he can survive okay. this, then he can go to BFR. I, I think that's a nice little uh, – 
you know, foundation. BFR is a jump. That's almost like a master class. You got to be able to uh, keep your feelings intact. Otherwise, you get your feelings hurt. Um, <laughs> let's go over to Dominion from Osaka Joe Hall on a Sunday morning. Uh, 2 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time was the wake-up call for your boy. Not even going to sleep because someone, not naming names, but someone not named Tom uh, threw me a link to a match that I hadn't seen. So uh, instead of taking a couple hours nap, getting ready for Dominion, I end up watching Naito versus Omega. I believe that was what? Uh, G1 2016? 2016 G- yeah, 2016 G1. And oh, oh, my bad. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, it was, it was horrible watching. Naito fan <laughs> who's never seen one of his best matches. I'm so well, What about how I first thought I'm like, at first I thought you meant Omega Okada 1 because there was a lot of text flying around. I'm like, wait a second. Motherfucker. You've seen Omega out of one so i couldn't blame you quite as much for this match but uh anywho i'm not sorry no you're not sorry and i'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> i watched the shit it was fucking amazing so if you get a chance to go watch it at g1 is coming up we'll talk about the announcements for the 32 guys in the g1 here in, in a little bit but let's talk about dominion first we'll open the card at the top, Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. The winner of this gets Kenny Omega at some specified date. The winner did not wait to fuck around and announce his shot. Will Ospreay goes over in eight minutes and one second, defeating Lance Archer. I thought this was decent. To me, the winner was not in doubt, and the match was good, not great. I gave it three and a half stars. Tom, what did you think? Oh, I, I, I mean, obviously... The, you don't the have to throw was, stars out there either. You just, just you can give me commentary on the match. You know, it's just... I just feel so bad for Lance Archer. Um, when, it, mm. you know, I mean, he's in, he, he's in a tough spot here, obviously. You know, I mean, we all knew Osprey was going to win, but I just want Lance Archer just to break out and literally just murder people. I mean, that's, that's not a gimmick, you know. Uh, great match, great story. I really liked Osprey, you know, giving, giving uh, Archer the dap at the end. You know, I, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, you know, an Iron Empire or anything, but I mean, give Lance Archer his fucking flowers. Uh, we have fun match. I mean, a little shorter, but I get it. Obviously, Will Ospreay's a little beat up. You don't want him getting too banged up. You know, it's an opener. You got a long fucking card. Uh, yeah, I mean, three ish, three and a half. I mean, great storytelling again. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Brett. Yeah, for eight minutes and one second, I thought this was an awesome match. I mean, you could tell at the, you know, the pace they were going right out of the gate, and it was the opener of the show that this wasn't going to get a ton of time. Like you mentioned, Osprey coming off the injury, so they don't want him to do too, too much. But shit, for what they got, I fucking loved this. I went four stars. I like how they had the callback to their match in Dallas from the 2019 G1 that mm-hmm. uh, was the first night there which is, I think, one of, if not the best Lance Archer match of his career. Couldn't agree more. You know, it does stink that Archer, you know, kind of walked into this match and it was going to be a losing battle. But again, I thought he looked awesome in doing so. Um, I wish it would have gotten even two more minutes. Um, But for what they got, like I said, I loved this. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, like you said, JCB, he wasted no time in calling his shot for one. Kenneth Omega at Forbidden Door, the rematch of Wrestle Kingdom, and what I I recently termed was what the 
eighth best match of all time, ninth best <laughs> match of all time, as I was kind of spitballing the other night. But one of the best matches of all time, and uh, we're going to get it here again coming soon. You know, obviously we kind of all thought this would happen at Forbidden Door. I think all in was also a possibility, you know, given that Osprey's from England. But uh, we're getting it in Forbidden Door, and Osprey fucking declared war on all of Canada, didn't he? <laughs> I'm like, dude, what did they do? <laughs> They're just hosting, man. Calm down. I'm bad with you. Uh, I will um, reiterate what you guys already said about Lance Archer. I, my hope was when he went to AEW that he would be this monster heel that he felt like he was starting to be groomed in groom for in new japan and when he left i was keeping my fingers crossed that hopefully he would get some sort of run in AEW. that briefly happened he did get a uh, title max title match versus john moxley but it has not really developed into much more than that when he comes back over to new japan he looks like the murder hawk monster that we all know and love at least the three of us do in this scenario so it is kind of hard watching Lance Archer having to take this L, but hopefully he'll come back at a later point and do some damage. I can't help it. I love the fact he knocks down the young lions on the way into the ring. It just makes me giggle. Next up, we have just five guys. Just five. Just five guys. <laughs> versus you already died. Okay. I, I love Chris Charlton singing the Just Five Guys shit. I missed it the first time and I caught it the second time. I'm like, God damn, this is funny. Just Five Guys versus LIJ again. This is 10 man tag. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's eight man tag. I apologize. Um, nine minutes, 24 seconds. LIJ goes over. I think gave it three and a quarter. Not nothing that you needed to run out and watch for. For me, I probably, it should probably be three and a half, but I've mentioned multiple times and I said it on the, on, on Twitter, on, uh, BFR underscore PSP JCB that this, uh, this feud has kind of ran its course. I don't necessarily need to see these eight guys or 10 guys or whatever continuously battling it out. As long as Sonata's champion, you know, sooner or later, Shingo's going to come calling. And you know, sooner or later, Naito's going to come calling. So in that scenario, I thought this was probably just to get everybody on the card, which I don't mind. Teton gets some more shine. Don't mind that either. But ultimately, I didn't think that this was anything worth missing or watching better choice of words brett what did you think yeah i mean this is your standard fair undercard tag match and the only one on this card you know i feel like typically you've got like three or so kind of these you know multi-man tags so kind of just showed the strength of this card that this is like the only i don't i don't mean this in any way but i'm gonna call it a throwaway match you know nothing really nothing really of stakes here Three and a quarter sounds about right. Um, but, yeah, again, that just shows how great this fucking card was. But, yeah, nothing really too much to say, and I agree. I mean, you know, we've seen these guys mix it up plenty already, so uh, it is what it is. Tom, what you think? Uh, yeah, it, it was serviceable. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I know, Brent, obviously you're a shingle guy. I am definitely a Nido guy. Uh, I'm definitely going to get myself an immortal Teton uh, we'll see Gnabla shirt here sooner than later. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. I mean, 10 minutes, they beat each other up. Um, nothing crazy. But I did forget to mention, um, speaking of Chris Charlton singing, um, in regards to uh, Best of Super Juniors, but I know obviously Great O'Conn was not part of the tournament, but uh, 
in wrestling, but uh, to listen to Chris Charlton's uh, Great Khan theme song, it's worth the fucking listen, by the way. Go back and listen. I almost fell out of my fucking chair. Um, I, I thought that was pretty goddamn funny myself. <laughs> well, while we're talking commentary here, we got to give some love to my boy Gino Gambino. Yes. And it's always nice to have him back in the seat as well. I think he was at Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of saving him for the big shows. But it's just great because he was gone. You know, he was doing it pre-COVID and was gone for so long. And they would always talk about how much they miss Gino. And he just <laughs> brings a fun presence. And he's so pro Bullet Club. And he is a heel, but he's not like full full heel the whole time. But I just love having Gino. You know, as the third man in that booth. So just wanted to give him a little love. Oh, no uh, doubt. Uh, yeah, they, um, I think I mentioned this in our third, but yeah, a great three man booth probably. I mean, he just fits right in. No doubt. Um, all three of those guys have their role to play, and they play it to a fucking T. I like Gino uh, as the the heel commentator. Um, Don Callis was the the heel commentator when I first watched started uh, watching New and Japan. He was so fucking good. And yeah, I mean it, it's a high bar to to try to reach, but Gino does his job very very well. His pro bullet club stance definitely comes to play here in thirty here we seconds. Go. So next up, you have Catch-22. That would be Francisco Akira and TJP, former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions, going back after the titles that they lost to the Intergalactic Jet Setters. I'm just going to call them Jet Setters. I like that better. Either way, that would be the team of Kushida and Kevin Knight. Obviously, we talked about Kushida and Kevin Knight separately in the BOSJ where they had various degrees of success. Kevin Knight a little better than Kushida, which was obviously a surprise. Kushida was being called a bit of a quote-unquote weak link by some people on commentary, namely uh, Robbie Eagles was the first to kind of throw it out there, and that kind of got its own steam. So to me, that was the, the question. I didn't feel confident in the fact that the champs would win, but would they have Kushida eat the pin? Not the case. Champs lose, but Kevin Knight is the one that takes the fall. In 1038, you had Catch-22 regaining the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Childs off of Jet Setters. I thought this was the best match of the night coming up to this point. I gave it three and three-quarters stars, 375 for those who can't keep up. Tom, what would you think? I really enjoyed this. Um, you know, so that was definitely at, up to this point was my match of the night, uh, which I will say like three, four more times as this uh, podcast goes <laughs> on. Um, I am a United Empire guy. I mean, I, I'm really, you know, I'm all in on those that whole faction. I all I gotta say is I have, I don't know how to explain this, but I don't think I've ever seen someone drop kick somebody else flat footed <laughs> off someone else's shoulders before. When Kevin Knight did that, I lost my fucking mind. This might be a common thing, but at, at, at the second I saw like, Kevin Knight, you are my guy. Mm. You are a stud fucking athlete. Um, and I really thought, listen, yeah, I thought like everyone else, like Kashida was going to eat the pit. I thought Kevin was going to turn on him. Ooh. You know, I would have uh, seen you know, that coming. Just out of frustration. Uh, it did not happen. Uh, but yeah, it was a great fucking match. I mean, these four have great chemistry. Um, yeah, Kevin Knight's a fucking stud. Uh, Akira really showed out, you know, in BSOJ, you know, so, yeah. Brett, no, no, no busted eyes open this time, so. 
<laughs> Brett, I'll let you uh, take your uh, commentary. Then you could talk about the post match shenanigans. Oh man, yeah, the match was excellent. Uh, I went four again. That's a theme here. You'll see um, another shorter match, ten thirty eight. But I had no issue with it. Like these matches were so they were quick, fast-paced, but awesome in the early going. Uh, again, like you said, the chemistry here was excellent. Kevin Knight looked awesome. Uh, Akira showed out again, like you mentioned. TJP and Kushida playing their parts. Yeah, I thought the match was just really well done, but clearly the story here is after the match, which I had been saying, I didn't specifically say I think Dan Maloney's going to join Bullet Club, but I said, don't you think he would fit in a lot better there than the United Empire? And sure enough, Clark Connors comes waltzing out and he points at the two of them. You know, it's like commentary's like, oh, he and Maloney had that thing. Is he coming to him? And he points to the two, points back up the ramp, and the fucking dribble takes them both out from behind. About a thousand fucks and a thousand middle fingers later, Dan Maloney is the newest member of David Finley's Bullet Club of Savages, and I couldn't be happier because, again, I think he's just a perfect fit with that attitude and with what we just talked about with the Clark and Dan Maloney match. Got got some kind of Blackpool Combat Club vibes in the sense of, like, gaining mutual respect out of beating the fuck out of each other here. Um, I love, love, love this team. I was yelling at the TV. I was so happy. Uh, And again, I think we'll talk more about bullet club later. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a lot of fans more so kind of some casual new Japan saying, Oh, bullet club sucks. Like David Finley sucks. This is nothing like AJ and Finn and Kenny. It's like, relax. Gato's telling a story here. Sometimes he needs a little more time. And uh, fuck, this is just wonderful. I'll hold off on the other thoughts till we get there. But this is a match made in heaven, if you ask me. And I just can't wait uh, to see. I assume we're going to get Maloney and Clark against Akira and TJP. And I think that's going to be fucking wonderful. New Japan Road is next up for New Japan Pro Wrestling, so that would probably be a safe bet, but we shall see. Next up, we had the New Japan World TV Championship, a match I was personally looking forward to, a match that I had thought that this might be the time that Zack Sabre Jr. finally met his match in the rematch versus Jeff Cobb. Obviously, the first match went went the time limit of 15 minutes. I'm thinking to myself, this probably is going to get a little close to that 15 minute time uh, limit match uh, time limit shout out to Azar for the prop sheet he made me reaffirm that fact and of course I was dead ass wrong 846 (laughs) bell to bell ZSJ retains the New Japan World TV Championship in a reversal into a I believe it was a crucifix for the win I'll be I'll, I'll kick it off I didn't see this coming I thought this was going to be Jeff Cobb's time to break off and take the title away and you would have him on Forbidden Door and that would in my head set up one Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson 
Obviously, we'll be talking about that here in a little bit because that went to shit real quick, but I'd have no problem with what the result ends up being with Brian Danson. We'll talk about that in a second. Brett, I'll let you start first. I'm assuming you had ZSJ going down here in this match as well. Yeah, so unfortunately, the prop sheet didn't work for me when I tried to fill it out at like 1 a.m. before the show, (laughs) but I too would have picked Jeff Cobb here, but I am not mad one bit that Zach's reign continues, and you know, this was similar to the last match, and that like, you know, I'm not going to say Jeff Cobb dominated, but he certainly was in control the majority of the match, Mm -hmm. you know, Zach really having trouble, you know, figuring him out, you know, can't get overcome his strength with his technique. Uh, but, you know, in the end, I fucking loved that crucifix. I texted you guys. I'm like, what a finish. What a unique way. Zach, no matter what, always finds a fucking way. And I said this to you guys last night. He's got to be on my short list for wrestler of the year, which admittedly is not something I have thought too much about yet. But just in thinking through, and he, I feel like he's been on my TV all week. You know, he was right. on ROH. Um, he fought uh, Rocky Romero. I had just watched the match from the previous week where he tagged with Samoa Joe against Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. They've so been kind of doing the who's the best television champ in the world gimmick with he and Joe, which has been awesome. He defends against Action Andretti on Rampage, another match I went four stars on. I went four on this one against Cobb. Like, the guy has just been putting out incredible performance after incredible performance. He's so funny. Um, He's so confident on the mic. Like, you know, everything he said to Kevin. He always will come up to Kevin Kelly after the (laughs) matches and cut a little promo. Love that. But, yeah, man, the guy is just on fire. So I couldn't be happier that this reign continues because it's been special. And uh, I can't wait to see how it continues. And sorry, Tom, uh, for your boy, Jeff, Tom taking the L. I know you love both these guys, and I can't wait to hear your take here. Uh, But I personally uh, am happy to see Zach continue. And got to give some love to the theme song. Mass Lines is the band. Young Punk's the song. Just the more and more I see him, the more and more I love that song, and it's just so fitting for his current TMDK character. But, yeah, great shit. Tom, I can't wait to hear what you got to say. Go ahead, Tom. What you got? Uh, Well, this match pissed me off for all the right reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, I wanted Jeff Cobb to win. I mean, Jeff Cobb is my favorite wrestler going right now, uh, probably top five all time. Um, wow. I have, uh, well, actually, I, I tied for, uh, uh, I, uh, how do I say this? The most t-shirts I have are Jeff Cobb tied with our friend, uh, Mr. Asap Mitchell, who we all uh, went to Forbidden Door uh, with. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Who ironically also uh, took Bo's ticket after <laughs> he ironically kicked over Bo's chair at wrestling uh, <laughs> a year earlier. Um, the serendipity. So good. And the other reason it pissed me off, just because it was short, but it was a fucking, it was, it was a master. It was awesome. It was great. Um, I, I, like I, like I texted you guys, I could watch these two all fucking day. You know, just, I mean, you would see, you know, you look at him, you look at Jeff Cobb, you look at GSK, you're like, well, you should demolish him, but he makes it look real. I mean, it's believable. Um, cause he is, he is just a fucking master. Tom, have you, you know, are you, have you been, uh, were you familiar with Zack Sabre Jr. before this or have you, I'm assuming yeah. you've seen him on oh, Ring of yeah, Honor before. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm a big DSJ guy uh, overall. Okay. Uh, I'd have to put myself over, but uh, um, Brett and I, good friend Justin and I, we did a review of uh, the Cruiserweight Classic where ZSJ put yourself over. Yeah, baby, put whole, it over. That whole series was incredible. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I do want you to keep in mind this that he also was in the Battle of Los Angeles during that tournament. Uh, so if you haven't gone back and watched ZSJ in 2016, fucking uh, PWG versus like Marty Skrull. Uh, Keith Lee. I mean, it, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Are, are we building like I in Charlie do not watch them as a new Ring of Honor, but are we building the Samoa Joe and ZSK at Forbidden Door? You stole my next question, Brett. What do you think? Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the place that this is going to happen right now. Um, I mean, it it feels like a match that's too big for your standard. I guess they could do it on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, but I'm pretty sure the next one isn't until after Forbidden Door anyway. Right. So that seems to be making a lot of sense. So, yeah, I would say yes, and uh, I can't fucking wait because the promos between the two, I, JCB, I think you've probably at least seen some of this, but the promos have been excellent. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the tag match where they tagged together was excellent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, buckle me up, baby. Yeah, they're. Uh, I think it was the week after their tag match, and they were backstage, and you know, ZSJ's calling Samoa Joe Joseph. <laughs> like, man, yep, this is yep, it. Yep. <laughs> I can watch these yep. two jokers go at it all day, and it's not even like they were being really like hostile, but just you no. know, hey. We all know who the better, you know, the more dominant TV <laughs> champion is, don't we, Zach? I don't right, know, Joseph. Yeah. Don't do we? <laughs> and I was, I'm like, oh, this is so fucking great. I'm with you guys. I wanted ZSJ and Danielson. We're not getting it, obviously. We'll talk about that here in the 30 seconds. But if we get Joe and ZSJ, I'm totally down for that. Battle, uh, put the both titles up there. It's not a ladder match or anything. You know, winner gets both titles. Hopefully, it's a draw and they'll both go away with the title in hand. But we shall see because it hasn't even been announced yet. Next up, uh, <laughs> here we go. Bishamon versus House of Torture versus Great Okan and Hanari for both Ugh. sets of tag team champions, New Japan can I, Strong. Can I and, start? Yes. Can I start here? Yes. Okay. Please, go. I'm I'm gonna say it. So again, this was originally, let's just say, so sad that uh, Mark Davis got injured and Aussie Open had to relinquish both sets of tag belts. I know that happened on the Resurgence show that I just unfortunately never got the opportunity to watch. Um, but let's. Give Aussie Open all their flowers. What an incredible first, you know, third or so of the year they had. They'll certainly be back. Uh, but at first, this match was announced as simply Bishamon versus House of Torture. And, you know, we're all like, fuck, this sucks, whatever. <laughs> Bishamon better win. Okay. But Panare and Great O'Connor enter the fold. That's good and makes sense. Because it's like, hey, if an Aussie Open team is vacating, then there should be an Aussie Open team in this match. Oh, so, you're not an Empire makes, team in the match, but I know but what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. Um but so coming in, I'm like, okay, this is at least a little more interesting, I think. And I'm going to say it. 
This is my match of the match of the night to this point. I went four and a quarter stars. I fucking loved this. I thought, um, you know, it was very, very fast paced. I don't know what the rules were here. Uh, oh, it, it does say three-way tornado. So, okay, because, yeah, there weren't really tags. You know, anyone seemingly could get pinned by anyone at any time. Uh, but, shit, yeah, there was House of Torture fuckery, uh, but it didn't really bother It would have bothered me if they won, but, of course, they did not. But I just, hell, Yujiro looked spry here. Uh, almost got to see him hit Big Juice a couple of times, which I sadly didn't. We did get to see the Pimp Juice, but I... <laughs> I'm probably on an island here, but I had a fucking blast watching this. And, of course, thrilled that the best tag team in New Japan, now that Ozzy Open is hurt, uh, <laughs> get their titles back. You know how I feel about Fisherman, though. I love these guys. I'm so happy they've really come into their own as a tag team. Um, so, with Ozzy Open out, they should be the champs. They rightfully are the champs, and I just had a blast watching this match. Yeah, four and a quarter stars. I loved it. If this Maybe was it's because a- the expectations were low that I just frankly overshot it for me, but it was fast. There was a lot of chaos and action, and I had a blast. What did you guys think? Tom, what did you think? Um, well, to break down the fourth wall, I didn't get to this match till today, uh, so I finished up working at the stadium uh, tearing down the last of the George Strait concerts. So I was watching this and I had like, I, I like hit 14 different texts. Like I was like, at one point I was like, fuck. And then at one point I was like, yes. And at one point I was like, God damn it. And then I was like, okay, race. Like, fuck. I mean, they had me every time. I'm like, and I don't want to say false finishes, but I'm like, oh, is this it? And I was like, yeah. And then, oh shit. And then I was like, oh, um, well, I'm with Brett. I, I loved it. I don't know if it was quite match of the night uh, up to this point, but pretty fucking close. Uh, but yeah, just that last five, six minutes in the, I, I hate to admit this. Um, if you want to edit this out, I understand, but all <laughs> the torture fuckery actually added to the story. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It like, again, not to cut you off, but if they would have won, like I said, it would have, wouldn't have worked. Right. But the fact that they didn't, and it gave them, you know, gave Bishamon this that much more of a baby face pop. And, you know, I thought maybe Hanare and Ocon would sneak one in, but yeah, Tom, I'm with you. Sorry to cut uh, you off. No, but. no, no, that's a hundred percent. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I was like getting ready to send the, the fuck this text. And I was just, the, you know, cause obviously, <laughs> you know, a United Empire guy, you know, that's who I was rooting for, but yeah, great. Uh, well told. Uh, really fun chemistry. I, I really enjoyed this for sure. Uh, I'm gonna take a step back. Uh, I gave yeah, Jeff all right, Con- Mr. House of Torture hater here. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm gonna get to this motherfucker. Don't you worry about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my thing. You, you relax, okay? I will shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna jump back to uh, give the grade for ZSJ and Jeff Cobb. I gave it four stars. Now let's talk about this uh, triple threat uh, tornado match in 1346. If I did not say the bell to bell time. Um, no problem with Bishamon winning. I think, like you said, uh, Brett, they're the team that is probably going to be the team now that Aussie Open is AEW bound. Uh, hopefully Aussie Open comes back, you know, for World Tag League or something along those lines. Um, well, time won't we tell. Uh, for me, this was the same old shit. House of Torture shit, you know. I, but but I'm, I'm like with Tom, though. I, it got me where I was like, okay, go, go ahead. Bishamon's going to win. Oh, shit. Here comes fucking, you know, Dick Togo with this shit. So it got me in the, the match, but 
it didn't make me feel more excited for Bishiman winning. To me, it was like relief. Thank God they won versus yay, <laughs> Bishiman won. You know what I'm saying? Now I can kind of get fair. some sleep. To me, same old shit. I gave it three and a half stars. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. And just real quick to kind of tie it back to our experience at Forbidden Door. Um, you know, Bishiman Wrestling, I think it was uh, – Guy yeah, with some factor with a QT and Aaron Solo, I think, in the buy-in. I think that's um, right. Yeah, Bill's that. I mean, as, say what you will about QT Marshall, the guy can fucking go. But those guys really impressed me. Besides Clark Connors, were like the three names that I came away from um, Forbidden Door. Was like, oh, these guys can fucking go, and I've never heard of them before. Yeah, so. and everyone's giving me shit for wanting to get in the seats <laughs> early to see Yoshi Hachi. I was not one of those people. I'm a, like, I paid for these fucking tickets. I'm sitting here for every goddamn second of this fucking thing. Um, minus piss breaks, but that's an our story itself. Jesus. Uh, All right, can we yeah. not talk about pee breaks at Forbidden Door? All right, post match. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Post match, we had another. I guess let's call it a, a yeah. Um, Bullet War Club dog. gets two new members. Where Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd come down to the ring to basically wreck havoc to any and everyone that is in their way. So now, in about an hour or so, Bully Club has added three new members. Obviously, we talked about the driller Dan Maloney and now Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin. I did have Alex Coughlin on the prop list, but just beforehand, I had him coming out to the Catch-22 Jet Setters match, but no problem. I won't take uh, points for that. I was just happy that I threw it out there and it happened to come to pass, but just a little early. All that being said, it looks like David Finley is getting the LA Dojo guys as the new Bullet Club. That segues us into... ELP versus David Finley for the Never Open Weight Championship. Well, wait. Do we want to talk? I, I want to give us some time to talk the new Bullet Club. Do we want to oh, do no, it? Oh, no. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do Well, okay, I want cool, everybody cool, to cool. talk. Everybody here. Okay. Brett, I'll let you start. Talk about the ELP Finley match and then okay. talk about your what your thoughts on uh, thoughts are about the new Bullet Club, Tom, same way. Okay. First, Floyd. I think ELP's new music is fucking terrible. Mm. Terrible. ELP! I don't know. I thought it was horrendous. Um, not a the big match fan. Itself, the match itself was good, not great. I went 3-7-5, kind of along the same lines as the Tama match. Obviously not quite as much of a dominating performance from Finley, but... You know, I think we all kind of assumed Finley was going to win here, especially after all the Bullet Club stuff that had happened. Yeah, you know, buddy. they didn't really get fully, fully, like, interfere involved, but they certainly were involved, you know, with many, many distractions throughout the match. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't really enough for me to sink my teeth into fully. I thought ELP did a great job in the babyface role. The crowd certainly loves him, and I love that. Um, but you know, Finley, it's not, not time for him to lose yet. That's for sure. Um, he's, he's assembling his army, um, which seems to be pretty fully assembled at this point. Uh, but yeah, good, not great match, but bullet club as a whole shit. I was saying it earlier. I fucking love this. Um, again, I think it's 
The casual fans may not. Fuck them. Uh, I'm just kidding, Tom. I actually can't <laughs> wait to hear your thoughts on this as more of a casual fan. Um, but I'm riveted, and I think this is going to give these guys such great opportunity. Guys like Coughlin and Kidd, you know, who haven't been able, haven't just haven't really had the opportunity to shine since they've kind of graduated from being young lions. Like, you know, they were in the World Tag League together last year. They had some solid matches, but they've just never really found their footing um, on the main roster, so to speak. Um, so now they're all going to get opportunity. They're all tough, badass guys. You know, they're all trained by Shibata. So, like, you know what type of guys these are. So now it makes me think, and Azar was the first one to bring it up, is do we get Shibata, you know, with two tag partners going against the likes of Coughlin, Connors, and Kidd in Forbidden Door, you know, going up against his old students? Because uh, Shibata has, uh, you know, he hasn't really been in Ring of Honor, which has been awesome. It's been fucking great to see him, but, like, I want to see him mixing it up with New Japan and with these former students of his that – you know, didn't really turn their back on him per se, but, you know, they joined Bullet Club and David Finley. So uh, I'm just, what does he have to say about that? So I think there's some intrigue there, but, you know, as a whole, I'm fucking pumped up about this. I love the War Dogs name. I think it's tight. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I fucking love it. Tom, as a casual fan, and I know you, you know, I'm pretty sure you're aware of all these guys, but uh, what, uh, what do you think about all this? Uh, part of me is really stoked and part of me is a little leery. Um, I am a notoriously hater of NWO and their watered down versions of it. Um, you know, I just nervous that if they keep adding members the way they are, but I mean, the, the three people they added on the show are all fucking money. They all fit. Um, I actually would like to see Clark Connors and Dan Maloney fight, uh, war dogs. Um, but obviously as a team, you know, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm digging this David Finley thing. I mean, I've been, like I said, I've known about Bullet Club for years. Like I said, it's been a bit down since I started really, really watching. Um, yeah, this is, this is rad. I mean, they, they've added three monsters, um, three mm-hmm. guys. It fits, um, you know, Coughlin's just a fucking psychopath. You know, you know, Gabriel came from. <laughs> You know, uh, he struggled to get his spitting, so it's a good spot for him. And Dan Maloney's just, you know, great. Um, yeah, this is awesome, Les. I mean, you know, David Finley is is making his mark. You know, and I texted you guys, like, in my homework, I watched uh, AJ versus Shinsuke, you know, from 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the three Lions in AJ's corner were Jay White, Juice Robinson, and David Finley which is just wild to think about. And that was the first New Japan match I ever saw, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and can we just shout out AJ Styles? That motherfucker wrestled in Wrestle Kingdom and WrestleMania in the same... Shit, he did fucking Wrestle Kingdom and Royal Rumble in the yeah. same fucking month. Yeah. God love um, AJ. I mean, it, it so never gets enough flowers as far as I'm concerned in that scenario by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'll just get yeah. my bullet club thoughts real quick. I kind of agree with uh, 
with Brett on this one. I'm I'm w- willing to give it a chance. Uh, I like Coughlin. I like Kid. Both young lines, both with the high upside. Uh, Alex Coughlin is pound for pound one of the, the strongest wrestlers in wrestling. So I mean that right. int- intrigues me. Gabriel Kid, I think, kind of goes on that same little savage. Uh, Bullet Club gimmick they got going on. I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, and then we already talked about uh, Dan Maloney and uh, Clark Kyers. They're them being a team. They're going to curse everybody out, give everybody the middle finger, and then try to take the uh, the junior tag titles off of Catch Twenty Two. So I mean, in, I think ultimately getting them over is the question. How does Gato do it? Because I don't think they're going to get to Bullet Club and then all of a sudden become the doormats of the junior slash heavyweight division. They're going they're going to get a push. Same way David Finley's getting a push. So I'm willing to, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I'm not I'm with you on this one, Brett too. I'm not I don't care what other people think, honestly. If if they intrigue me enough, which they have to this point, I want to see them together and cause havoc. So for me, I'm willing to see where it goes. I'm not saying this is going to be the greatest iteration of Bullet Club. It may end up being one of the weakest, but I'm willing to see where it goes. Yeah, well, and here's a question for you. Where do Kenta, Kaiji Ishimori, and Bad Luck Fale fit into this, if at all? <sighs> These are guys that were not, I mean, Fale, obviously, you know, he's more on the sidelines at this point of his career and run, like running his school, you know. So I think the more pressing question is with Kenta and Ishimori because neither of those, correct me if I'm wrong, neither of those guys were seen on this show, no. correct? Correct. Yeah. And this is a show that's all about, not all about, but largely focused on this new Bullet Club and, you know, talking about how all these guys fit in like a glove with what David Finley's trying to bring. But where do do you guys think Kenta and Ishimori stay in Bullet Club? Tom, you go first. I hope so. Um, And I'm actually embarrassed. We didn't actually even mention Ishimori in the Vessel Super Juniors. I think that's because of the injury, obviously. Sucked sucked a little life out. But, yeah, that was certainly very, very unfortunate. Because I think he – I'm not saying it, but I think – Tom, I remember I texted you. I thought Ishimori and Wata would be the – my two semifinalists. Um, so could Teton have maybe slid in there based off that injury? I don't know, but you're right, Tom. Certainly someone we should have mentioned back then. Um, yeah, especially I've become a, a huge fan of his in the past, like, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, like we talked about it. Um, if anyone gets a chance, go back to watch Roddy Strong versus Ichimori, uh, Ring of Honor TV 2013, uh, one of the best TV matches I've ever seen. Um but I don't know. I think Finley going with the new blood might just be kicking out the old. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, Kenta Ishimori are not what you call brand new. But um, it, it is all white guys or guy jeans, so to speak. I feel like it would help having that Japanese presence there, you know, and guys that have been in there already for a little while. But they weren't even seen or mentioned on this show at all, if I'm not cor- if I'm correct, right? Yeah. Did you? Did anyone catch any, any mentions of them at all? I didn't. Um, now that you mentioned it, um, Kenta is going to be talked about here in a little bit. But in this in this scenario that you're talking about, I don't remember them them being commentary speaking his name. Obviously, none of Bullet Club said his name, being Kenta or Ishimori for that matter. Um, 
I think they're both safe. Um, they've been, quote-unquote, loyal to the David Finley turn. I don't see a reason why they would be ousted at this point. Uh, obviously, Kenta will be back here shortly um, for, I believe it would be uh, G1 for before that. I'm not sure if there's a chance he'll be back before the G1, but he'll be back, obviously, for G1. We'll get that answer, that question answered at that point. But if you're... If I had to put money on it, I don't see they have done nothing to warrant them getting the boot at this point. So if, if I had to, yeah. if I had to say if they were staying, I'm thinking they're staying. I think so, probably too. But I think it warranted discussion. And uh, Tom knows listening to the Shining Wizards and Bad Luck Fale on there. All he cares about is getting paid. So uh, as long yeah. as he's getting paid, he's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wanted to shout out those guys because that was an incredible. Even though they had some technical difficulties, Bad Luck Fale was so great on that interview with the Shining Wizards. He was the man. That's what's up. He was, and obviously, I, I, I'd like to put them over also as uh, part of my my networking. But uh, they also did a great interview with Clark, Clark Connors a couple months ago. And speaking of Alex Coughlin, if you go back and listen to that interview, he tells a great story about Coughlin doing like. 6,000 squats and not even fucking sweating. You know, Shabbat's like, dude, give me some, you know, I can't even do it justice. Um, yeah, Alex Coughlin is one tough motherfucker, and that's another great interview. But, yeah, shout out to those guys, so. No, I, I'm very interested to see where this new Bullet Club rolls. Next up, um, we have. This. Do we want to do G1 here? Is this when they did the G1, or do we want to just get through all the matches and then talk G1 real let's quick? Get, yeah, let's get through uh, the card, okay. and then we can come back to G1 because, you know, at that cool. point, we can kind of throw out some names of who you think might be uh, some people to watch and a possible winner. Um, with the little travel issues, there was a flip in the card. Claudio Castagnoli was running behind with travel i believe there was a typhoon of some sort so he was mm-hmm. on the way to osaka joe hall so they did a switch in the order of matches so the sixth match was for the iwgp junior heavyweight title obviously you had Hiromu takahashi versus master water the winner of the bosj um I'll go first. I haven't gone first in a while. 19 minutes, 50 seconds, bell to bell. Hiromu retains the title over Master Wado. Not a huge surprise for me personally, uh, but this is what New Japan does. It's not the instant payoff. Master Wado Uh has gotten one like go out of his way but his he's gonna have to you know do still do some work there's still more story to tell for him to get the ultimate goal and that would be the junior heavyweight championship like i said no problem with hiromu winning this match i think hiromu still got stories to tell as well i gave it four and a quarter stars hiromu retains the title tom what'd you think I'm um, kind of reflecting on the whole card. You know, I, this is fresh and everything. I think this is probably going to be my match of the night. Um, I am now a big Hiromo fan. I didn't realize he's a, such a big metalhead. Um, he does have a <laughs> humongous suicidal tendencies patch on the back of his jacket. Suicidal tendencies are my favorite band. I also have a nice big tattoo of them myself. Uh, but this match fucking ruled. You know, like you said, Wado did not have to win, but he got over. And he showed us all why he they gave him... You know, the win, uh, he really did prove himself in this match. Uh, it was fucking exciting. It was great. You know, he did a good job. I thought there was a couple times, you know, at one point, and they really kind of zoomed in on Hiromu's face, like where he passed out and woke up again. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Loved it. Great action. Uh, shout out to Master Watto. Got over in a, in a loss. Uh, Hiromu stays strong. Yeah, my match of the night, personally. Brett. That's in line on this card, too, so. Go ahead, Brett. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think these last three matches were the three best matches of the night. I will hold off until the end to say which is my favorite. Uh, but I went four and a half here. Yeah, I loved it. I, Tom, like you said, Master Watto didn't need to win. He is over now. The crowd was all on his side. I think he's from Osaka or like near that area. So a bit of a hometown crowd for him. Um, Hiromu, maybe not always the best seller of body parts, but always an incredible, credible seller in submission holds. And yeah, I, thought there was a chance, oh my God, maybe he is going to pass out or tap out because even though Kevin said is not going to tap out, he has tapped out plenty, which I love because I hate like in WWE and shit, like how submissions are so protected and John Cena never tapped out, blah, blah, blah. So people actually do tap out here because, you know, that's a valid way to lose a match. But anywho, I'm getting sidetracked here. (laughs) Watto was unbelievable yet again. And again, you know, proving that he deserves that spot and that his time will be coming because, you know, we, as JCB said, this is kind of how Gato books. Like, it's not always and usually not rarely that kind of immediate payoff. And Hiromu is in the midst of his longest junior title reign. Um, and I think he may end up, I don't know what the record is for defenses or days, but it wouldn't surprise me if he hits either or both of those because it's really the last thing for him to do as a junior. I mean, he's won the belt four times now. He won best of super junior four times. So the last thing he's missing is that epic title reign. And I think we're in the midst of it now. And it wouldn't surprise me. I'll go a little Negro Domus on you here. Uh Master Watto over Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom next year. Uh, so that's kind of your year-long arc of Master Watto. You know, he gets into the big four-way match at Wrestle Kingdom last year, has his best performance there, you know, wins the best of Super Juniors, loses to Hiromu, keeps scratching and clawing. I could see it. You know, I could see Watto being the – I mean, that would kind of be a huge put-over for him is to end this seemingly epic title reign, but – you know, also the moment where I don't know what they're calling his elevated German suplex, but that's how he's been winning a lot of matches. You know, the great near fall with that one as well. Um, but in the end, Hiromu just too strong. But, <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I think Watto is uh, definitely a future junior heavyweight champ, and uh, he could be the one to end this title reign eventually. But this was not the night. But, yeah, four and a half, loved it. So not Desperado beating Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom? No, because we've already gotten that. We got that last year. That's why I picked Desperado to win the best of Super Juniors because that's the one thing he hasn't done as a junior is win that tournament. And we just talked earlier, he's made the finals a couple times. But, yeah, it was not this past Wrestle Kingdom, but the one before it. He did beat Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom. You're right. right. Already been done. Um, You know, not say it couldn't happen again, but – I think his personal moment would be, you know, winning that best of super junior tournament. So he didn't this time, but uh, we'll see. But just to put a bow on this, you know, there's been lots of talk, like what more can Hiromu do? Will he move up to heavyweight? I could see maybe in next year's G1, we see Hiromu in that one, but obviously it wasn't this year. So yeah, good shit here. 
Next up, you had the never open weight six man tag titles up for grabs: uh, Shoto Umino, Claudio Castiglione, and John Moxley versus Okada, Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. Um, <laughs> wild, wild, wild! Off the oh, bat, yeah. I love the fact that Claudio came over right away and just look like Claudio Cesaro, whatever you want to call him. He's one of the arguably one of the more underrated guys in this business. Shoto Umino and Tanahashi in the ring together. Like I've always said, it's the Spider-Man gift of those two pointing yeah. at each other. You almost it's can't insane. really tell who's who at certain points. Um, Moxley's Moxley. And then obviously you had the tag champs always kind of waiting for Ishii and Tanahashi to kind of have their have a riff to where it could cost the tag title uh, cost the champions the titles Shota Umino and uh, Okada still having some underlying tension that was going through the match from start to finish Shota's throwing tables 20 minutes and 38 seconds later you had the champions retaining in a wild ass match Brett, I'll let you start. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, this was everything you would hope for here with these six guys. And just what a what a grouping. You know, kind of had – it was almost sectioned off into pairs quite a bit. You know, with Tana and Claudio, those two started the match. Moxley and Ishii revisiting their history. Their, uh, they had a G1 2019 match that I went five stars on. And like you said, Okada and Shota Umino, really kind of the thread of this match. And, you know, the reason it even happened in the first place. But, yeah, this was outstanding. Like you said, wild, crazy, all sorts of action. I will admit I want to rewatch this because, as you guys know, I was coming off six days straight of working and a lot of late nights. And I was just starting to hit a wall during this match specifically. And I'm like, all right, got to sit up, sit up. You know, this is crazy. Um, but this one uh, where I definitely want to revisit. I went four and a half stars. I could see myself maybe going four, seven, five on a rewatch. But this was just fucking excellent. And uh, we'll wait to kind of talk the post-match here after Tom. But uh, mm-hmm. one, of, one of the best never six-man championship matches ever. Another that comes to mind was it was during COVID where it was Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi. It was against, it was Taichi, Doki, and Suzuki, I think. It was three Suzuki-goon guys, but I remember that one being amazing as well. But, yeah, great, great stuff here. Tom, what would you think? Um, I might be with Brett. I might need to rewatch this. Um, I thought it was what I took away from this match. Um was Okada and company, their chemistry was unmatched. Um, they had a couple of triple, triple team maneuvers uh, that just didn't seem like, you know, BCC could come up with. Um, you know, I'm Moxley bled, surprise, surprise. Uh, like, you know, um, but, but it was funny, though. Like, I mean, uh, Gambino and uh, Kevin Kelly and everybody talking, you know, Red Shoes being the referee for this match. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know he's the head referee, but obviously he could excuse himself. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So I think I might need to rewatch it. Listen, yeah, I was just, you know, just got home from work. So it was kind of, you know, rushing a little bit. Um, not bad. I didn't know it was 20 minutes. I would have lost that bet. Um, I thought it was a little bit shorter, so that's a good sign. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, anytime you get to see Okada in, in the ring, 
I mean, the guy is who he is, and then that's a great team. And yeah, interesting matchup. So, how about I, I, I'm sorry, I meant to bring up. No, my bad. What about Claudia swinging the Ooh. fuck out of Okada? That was cool. <laughs> yeah, um, that that was very cool. I was about to say that know, was worth the match alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know it might have been travel issues. Uh, it just seemed Claudio was very either disinterested or tired. But obviously, if he just showed up, he gets a pass. Um, you know, I'd really like to see these three, you know, run it back again. Obviously, we're going to talk about what happened at the end, you know, here in a second. But I do want to interject. Um, the longest junior heavyweight championship reign was by Jushin Thunder Liger at 628 days. And her okay, okay. is currently at 151. <laughs> well, it ain't that. Okay. So he certainly ain't going to break that one. Then it's the defense record. I think it's like maybe 12 title defenses or something like that. Oh, um, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, oh shit, yeah. yeah. You should thunder like five defenses in 628 days. So that tells you anything. So. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you're right. The most defenses is 11 by okay. I don't know who, Heat. I don't even know who that is. See, uh, I've, heard that, I've heard that name. Say the name but, yeah, not. Uh, heat, just literally like the movie. Heat. Yeah, Heat. No, not, not familiar. Okay, well then that's... So Hiromu, Hiromu Hiromu is currently at five defenses. Um, so yeah, I mean, that 11 defenses is definitely reachable. Um, but also being the Ring of Honor mark that I am, I guess Hiromu made his Ring of Honor debut in 2016 against ACH. Um, oh, nice. That might be a match that we need to watch. It's kind of breaking the rules, but... It's our fucking podcast, and we do whatever the fuck we want. So keep that in the back of your mind, gentlemen. What's my guess? I'm going to bring myself here again. So I love where your head's at. Uh, that that yeah. is going to be something that I have to like put down on the star list. Brett, you want to talk about the post match, or should I? <laughs> I will let you, but I will say this was the one spoiler I had coming in, and of yeah. all things to be spoiled, at least it wasn't a match result. So I and I was like, well, my, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking excited about this, even though I didn't know about it. So uh, I'll let you take it away, though. Oh, thank you, Same guys. Uh, Post match, obviously, after the loss, Moxley is hotter than a tea kettle, trying to get the mic to turn on. Finally, gets the mic to turn on, and he's, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know, I'm sitting I'm, in my head. I'm thinking, okay, this is Moxley going to make the challenge to Okada, Forbidden Door. Here we go. Surprise, surprise. On the video screen, you see a gentleman back-facing, but the voice kind of sounds familiar. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> this motherfucking Daniel Bryan is talking about, you may be the rainmaker, but you're going to be in the middle of the fucking desert when you meet me. So we have what I would probably think is the next match on the Forbidden Door card, if you will. Kazuchika Okada versus Brian Danielson one-on-one. I know Okada has had talked about this in the past. Brian Danielson, I know, has talked about this in the past. Like I said before, personally, I would want ZSJ in this spot, but we've seen that. You can go back in YouTube and find it. We've never seen this match happen. So, Brett... I'll start with you. <laughs> You're already laughing, so I know giddy is not even a word that we could use in this sentence. How amped are you for this match? It's hard to even put into words or explain. I mean, Danielson said it. It is two of the greatest professional wrestlers that have ever laced up a pair of boots, bar none. 
And like you said, we have never seen it, and we're going to get to see it. And neither of them have title belts, so that's good. So there's no politics that will come into play. I mean, sure, of course, there probably is to some degree. But let's take that out. I mean, it's just going to be two of the greatest of all time going to war. And, yeah, I can't fucking wait. Yeah, as much as we all want to see Danielson ZSJ, that's taking a backseat to this and always will take a backseat to this. And that's no offense at all. But a true, true, true dream match in every sense of the word. And that, you know, gets overused all the time. But it is not here. Um, yeah, I, I can't fucking wait. This is going to be a three adult diaper match. Uh, you better triple, triple layer up here for this one. Um, let's not even get into, we don't need to get into predictions or anything at this point. Let's, let's just uh, celebrate the fact that this is happening. And, uh, I think for a show like Forbidden Door, you know, Last year, we got what we got. You know, maybe it wasn't the card we all wanted, but the show ended up fucking incredible. Uh, but it seems like this year, you know, we're going to get at least two incredibly high-profile inter-promotional singles matches. And, uh, uh, yeah, I can't fucking wait for this and can't wait to see what else gets added. Tom, what was your initial reaction when you saw Danielson challenge Okada for Forbidden Door? Um, I was with Brett. It was kind of spoiled uh, for me. However, I didn't know what exactly happened. I just know he uh, showed up. I like I'm watching the show and they're talking about you know Claudio having you know travel issues. I thought that was a work. <laughs> I thought maybe Danielson was going to show up uh, in the match, but uh, that did not happen, which is awesome. That was uh, but I. <laughs> But I've got two thoughts. Uh, the first thing, um, I sure as fuck did not have this on my 2023 bingo card uh, for wrestling. Um, and the other thing is, what kind of crazy fucking timeline are we in that we're getting Brian Danielson versus Kazuchi Okada? I mean, you would have told me that in you know 2018, I would have laughed you out of the fucking building. Um, I, I'm just shocked, uh, pleasantly surprised. Not where I wanted to go, but it's not. It's the match I didn't know I needed. Truer words ain't so, yeah. been spoken. Amen. Truer words ain't been spoken. All right, let's talk about the main event. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't get my grade for uh, the, that six man. I agree with you, uh, Brett. Four, four and a half stars. Watched it, and it, even though it was getting to the point where I started to see the sun come up, I was still invested enough to where I could keep <laughs> keep this thing going. So let's talk the main event, and we I kind of talked about it beforehand. Tom asked a question: How excited should he be for the main event? So obviously, you had Yota Suji versus Sonata for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yota Suji made his appearance at the end of the match versus Hiromu and Sonata, basically dropping just five guys and Sonata picking up Hiromu, giving him the LIJ fist pump and dipping and not being seen since until the press conference the night before and then obviously the match here. So if you hadn't seen Yoda Suji in CMLL, or you hadn't seen the match at Royal Quest versus Tomohiro Ishii, you basically had no idea what the fuck was getting ready to happen. They did <laughs> kind of reference, tease, whatever word you want to use, where Kazuchika Okada came back from excursion. He challenged 
Tanahashi and took the title off of Tanahashi. So you had that leading into this match itself. 1701, bell to bell. Sonata retains. I'll, I'll, I'll let Brett go first. I, I got my own thoughts. Brett, what did you think? <laughs> wow. Match of the night. Match of the night. Four, seven, five. I was fucking riveted by this and couldn't have been happier that they played it the way they played it. JCB, I know you had mentioned previously that you'd kind of wanted to see Yoda Suji, you know, in some of these preview shows, the preview matches. And, you know, I was kind of in the same board. It's like, there's nothing we have to go off on other than really Royal Quest because I didn't see any of the CMML, CMLL stuff. And he looked incredible against Ishii in that match. And it's like, okay, this is a completely different guy than we've seen. But the mystery is what made this so good. And Yoda Suji came in and answered the bell so much greater than I ever could have expected. I was Azar texted me and used the word hypnotizing, and I thought that was perfect. <laughs> it, it felt it felt like he was the biggest star in the company, and it felt like he was going to win. And I texted you guys like half jokingly at like one a.m. the night before, saying right. like, "Yeah, I can't believe I got to get up at work at nine, and you guys will already know that Yoda Suji is the new world heavyweight champ." <laughs> half tongue in cheek, half like I really, really think it's possible. Oh, and as man. the match was playing out, I'm like, "Oh my god, the crowd loves this guy." He feels like a, not only feels, he is a star in this moment with a big smile on his face. That's like, you don't want to fuck with this guy. And he came out and looked so fucking good. He's stomping the shit out of Sonata everywhere. He's throwing him around. He's flying around doing flips and shit. Like, again, this is a guy in the main event of the second biggest show of the year in the best promotion in the world coming in and just picking up the ball and running a trillion yards with it. And yes, he did not win. And yes, I do want to tout, tout, that, tout Sonata too, because he was also incredible in this match. But yeah, I can't say enough good things about this. And I can't wait to hear Tom's take as someone who, you know, was asking the same question. A lot of casual fans are probably asking like, who the fuck is this guy? Why should I care about him? Or should I care about him? My answer is yes. Uh, I think he couldn't have delivered any more in this spot. That feels like it was impossible, an impossible spot to be in for this guy. And my God, I, I'm a, such a big Kyoto Suji fan. I ordered the LIJ, that green shirt, right after the show. <laughs> Not going to lie. Even though uh, they did. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd already really, really liked it. I told Azar I really wanted it, and that sealed it. But, oh, my God. Um, I am over the moon for Yoda Suji. I fucking loved it. Yeah, incredible stuff. And only 17 minutes, you know? Like, it felt... You know, they came out of the gate, and it's like, this could be over in five. And then, like, that that pace never really let up. Like, yeah, there was the Boston Crab moment where it kind of slowed down a little bit. But, like, this was at a fever pitch from the get-go. And, again, just a breath of fresh air for, you know, we're used to these 35-minute main events more often than not. But they told such an incredible story in 17 minutes with a guy we'd never fucking seen before. Again, I can't wait to hear what both of you guys think, frankly. Um, 
But yeah, this was a big, big hit for me and really woke me back up after, you know, it's nothing against that last match. Obviously, it was great. But like I said, me personally, I was just really tired. Uh, but man, I was just in the fucking zone for this. Cause, you know, had no fucking clue what was going to happen. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. Tom? Um, I will start off with like, not to use big fancy terms, but like if I would have seen this like on a poster come by my pay-per-view um, without knowing it didn't look like a main event, um, just from that optic, uh, obviously I'm going to give it a chance because I wanted to watch the fucking show. And uh, I, I can't really say it any better than Brett. I mean, they fucking delivered. Uh, they made this guy look, you know, um, look like a fucking star. You know, it, it was very, very believable that maybe this fucking guy's going to win. I mean, that goddamn spear right off the bat. Oh. You know, you know, Kevin yeah. Kelly. You know, you know, Kevin Kelly. Hopefully, had his adult diapers on. Um, <laughs> sure he dropped a couple right then and there. There, and like you said, they're like this match might go two minutes. You know, this this guy might have Goldberg, and so I, I was super impressed. Um, I'm not too sold on Sonata. That's a, that's a previous bias. I will have to get used to liking him um, and this five guys thing. I mean, obviously that theme song is fucking sick. Uh, the name is still stupid. Um, Easy uh, now. Okay, maybe maybe maybe, maybe, maybe stupid a bit drastic, um, but they're a great fucking team. Um, I just need to get used to Sonata as the world champ. Uh, yeah, and that's just a, a bias. That's a bias on me. So, um, yeah, great match. And like I said, I really couldn't put it any better than you did, Brett. So, um, go watch it, you know, put your biases aside and just watch it. Cause it was great. Fucking, like I said, you know, great storytelling in the fucking ring. And that's what adults watch wrestling for. So, no, so, um, I'm sorry. Did I just throw shade? I did. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'm with Brett on this. I, I didn't have. I had no idea. Well, I can't say that. I saw Yonosuji versus Ishii at Royal Quest, so I had some sort of idea of what that was. Also, like eight months ago, though. Right. You know? <laughs> and, that's what, and like I said, some sort of idea what was going to what I thought was going to happen, and then this match started, and that idea immediately went away and never came back. I'm not sure who, what so, uh, Suji has done in no, in his excursion, but he has come back a totally different animal and i'm using the word animal i'm not calling this yeah. guy a man this dude is a animal <laughs> of, of of degrees that i can't even begin to explain at this point this guy's doing flips like it's nothing i mean like fosbury flops over the top rope type <laughs> shit and i'm like what the fuck he's landed into the first row of the of a uh, ringside and shit no guy that's 260 should be doing that shit he shouldn't be throwing sonata around like a little rag doll he looked i thought wado was the guy that had the highest bar to jump and it may be because his struggle seemed like he would never get to this point and then when he finally broke out at wrestle kingdom everybody's like including myself like holy shit you know master wado is on the map man yoda suji's on the goddamn map right now as we speak after one goddamn match i'm like man what the fuck is going to do what can you do with this dude at this point it can be nothing but up at this point. His stock has risen so crazy. 
I'll say it. And I'll, you can put this on anything. Right now, his stock higher than Renarita. Right now, higher stock than uh, Shota Umino. Anybody else, the, uh, no disrespect to the Bullet Club, I want to see them do well. But any of those guys, Clark Connors, Dan Maloney, any of them, their stock is good. Yoda Suji's stock just went through the roof in 17 minutes and one second. Now, my only thought about the match itself was post-match. And maybe as an LIJ guy, I look at things in the LIJ scope and I ask questions like, why? Why did LIJ (laughs) leave uh, Yoda Suji to the Young Lions? T-Time, they basically made sure he was okay before uh, they left to go uh, into the back after the BLSJ final. Yoda Suji was left for the Young Lions to bring back. Maybe I'm looking too much into it as the LIJ no, guy in the room, no, but no, trust me, this was riveting as well. Like, so let's go back to the start of the match where Yoda Suji was the one who called for the fist bump in the ring, and you know they kind of all hesitated, and even like Kevin Kelly or like he's like, is this the new man here in LIJ? <laughs> so the way I read it is like, you're not, you ain't quite the man yet. Right. We're still with you, but you ain't the man. So uh, you walk out here on your own, motherfucker. But it's interesting, you know, like they made this whole big deal about the press conference and him officially joining there. But, yeah, they uh, they left him there at the altar, so to speak. So uh, I don't I don't think there's too, too much here. But, yeah, I think it's just more so like you ain't quite at the level you thought you were yet. But I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But by God, he looks like a king out there. I will say this. And in, in the past, it's not like LIJ always came out for to pick up Hiromu or Shingo. Well, they never did. Right. So that's why I'm until saying. Until recently, yeah. Right. Until just five guys has come around. Now it feels like, you know, it's, it's more of a, a group, quote unquote, than it ever has been before. But neither here nor there. I gave it four and a half stars. Tom, uh, any thoughts on the the LIJ possible rift? That am I am I looking at this too much as a fucking mark? Uh no. I mean, listen. I mean, no. I mean, we're fucking marks. That's what we do. <laughs> and, you know, and we we've watched a wrestler, enough wrestling. So if a commentator talks about it. There's something going on. That's that's the bottom line. And Kevin Kelly was very adamant. They're like, oh, they just left him. And, you know, and the camera shots. I mean, one thing about this show, too, is the camera. I mean, I'm a mark for shit like that. Ever since seeing Austin and Bret Hart, you know, WrestleMania 13, I'm a fucking I'm mark for camera. And they just did a great shot, um, you know, as, as they're leaving and, and everything. So I think this might be a thing. And, uh, you know, it looked like Shingo, you know, when they all uh, introduced he was very like, all right, fine, and I'll do the fist bump thing, but <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, th- I think the little kid got spanked, and uh, he did great. Uh, he didn't do enough to win. Uh, he's super fucking over. Um, but yeah, I think there there might be something to this. So, <sighs> just real quick, just to put a bell on it, like Azar's word, hypnotizing. Another word. It just felt surreal. Again, even though mm-hmm. he didn't get the W, it all just felt surreal. It's just like he be- not only did he belong, like he belonged as the champ. You know, like the way that match played out, would you have been shocked if he would have won? Nope. Yeah. Oh, the, like the knee jerk reaction had been like, holy shit, that just happened. 
So yeah. if that's calling if that's calling it shock, then call me shock. But I w- I wouldn't have been like, oh my god, I would. You can see it happening. It's just exactly. were they going to pull the trigger? And that's where I was just like, is this gonna happen? I was like, you. I'm like, what the fuck? This this might actually happen. But Sonata doesn't feel like Okada. So in that scenario, if it was supposed to happen and it did, okay. Obviously, it wasn't supposed to, and I don't have a problem with that. But. I'm like Tom. It's going. It's still taking me a while for to wrap my head as Sonata being the world heavyweight champion in New Japan. I don't. I'm not saying I but don't how, like it. I just. It's just. How do you felt he did in this match? Because again, while the whole story here is yeah, Yota Suji, like I think Sonata was great. You know, like he's looked like a different man, and you know, not just by the look, but the way he's wrestling, the way he's interacting with the crowd. Like, you could tell, you know, the crowd was definitely pro-Suji, but Sonata was doing his thing where he points to his ear and gets the crowd up even more so, like, to the point where he was saying, come on! Right. And, like, trying to get the fans going. But beyond that, like, his wrestling, I thought, was awesome. He looked so crisp. So, yeah, while it is still kind of weird, I'm I'm on board for it. I'm used to it. And even though I did want to see him take the L here, I'm still pretty intrigued uh, with – how much is uh, or what's going on with the Sonata title reign. And I don't think it's going to last all the way to Wrestle Kingdom, uh, but I'm on board for it. Very curious to see how long it does last. Um, any final thoughts about Dominion, gentlemen, before we talk about the G1 lineup? Brett? I'm good. And uh, just want to say we got to, or at least me, got to start uh, moving through all the, the rest here pretty quickly. I've probably got like 20 more minutes or so. So if we want to just uh, breeze through the rest, uh, that would be great. Not a problem. Tom, any final thoughts here? Um, I have lots of final thoughts, but I will keep that to the text thread. Uh, <laughs> so if people want access to the text thread, uh, sign up for the Patreon, and you can uh, view our private messages. So, um, yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, we'll keep it brief. But, yeah, all bullshit aside, I will text you guys about it. So. That's yeah, now, just real quick, it's, it wasn't quite on the level of Sakura Genesis in terms of, like, show of the year, but this was pretty fucking good show. I mean, I'd say Sakura Genesis, Wrestle Kingdom, and this are probably the top three uh, New Japan shows this year. Okay, okay. No, no, no argument here. Um, let's talk G1 really quick. They announced the 32-man block. I believe it's it was, what, 20... Was it 20 last year? We did four blocks? It was 28. 28. So four blocks, blocks of seven. seven. So 32 yeah. this year. I guess we're going to do four blocks eight. But really quick, let's run down the list in no particular order. Okada, Naido, Sonata, Will Ospreay, Tanahashi, David Finley, Shoto Umino, Shingo, Tomohiro Ishii, Tamatonga, Returning, Tomaloa finally returning. Good shit. Finally see that coming back. Uh, Hikaleu, Goto, Yoshihashi, Yano. Fuck Yano, by the way. Uh, Kenta, <laughs> ZSJ, Taichi, Eddie Kingston. Another returning yeah. first time uh, G1 entrant. Interesting to see that. Big pop when his uh, face came up. ELP, uh, Red Narita, Evil, Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb, Great Ocon, Hanare, Gabriel Kidd, first time in the G1, Alex Coughlin, first time in the G1, Shane Hayes, first time in the G1, Mike Nichols, first time in the G1, 
Yoda Suji, first time in the G1, and probably well-timed, especially coming off of the, the uh, uh, main event that he had. But the one name that was probably the biggest surprise of the bunch, and I'm going to start with Brett first. When you saw Kaito Kiyomiya as the final <laughs> entrant in the G1, what was your thought? All right, I'm going to drop the stick here. I was, of course, happy about it, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not a Kaito hater as much as I as much shit as I've talked. You know, he's not my favorite in Noah, but hell yeah, I'm for this. I mean, we've talked a lot on this show just about the collaboration amongst the, the Japanese promotions we've seen this year. You know, and in going to 32, which we had talked about as a possibility and I thought was going to happen, it made sense to get, you know, at least one AEW guy and one Noah guy and can't, I mean, yeah, of course, would I rather have Nakajima? Yeah, duh. Um, but, uh, I think Kaito, you know, you mentioned, do we get a Kaito Okada rematch? Um, do we see anyone, uh, on the new Japan roster, put that little bitch in his place? No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, to me, Kingston was the bigger pop, frankly, though, because, like, you know, we've talked ever since the AEW New Japan partnership. Like, we got to see someone. You know, we saw Mox in 2019 pre-COVID, but no one really since then. Well, in the G1, at least. We right. had Wheeler Yuta last year in the best Super Junior. So, what a perfect guy to go over. And, you know, a guy who already wrestles that Japanese style, so just to see him mix it up in the G1 is going to be fucking awesome. So for me personally, Kingston was definitely a bigger pop than Kaito, but still excited to see Kaito over there. Um, yeah, I think the story in and of itself, what you were already hitting on it, is all the first-time entrance. And for me specifically, how does Yoda Suji respond, you know, from this match? Got to feel like he's going to get booked pretty strongly. Um, but, yeah, I, I for one, am excited. It's 32 just because, you know, it allows for all these guys who have never been in it before to get their opportunities. So uh, I'm fucking fired up. Can't wait, baby. Tom, uh, outside of Eddie Kingston, anybody that jumped out at you that you are looking forward to watching? I'm assuming you're going to watch the uh, the G1 this year. You are. You would be uh, assumed correctly. Uh, and thank you, Brett, for making that possible. We'll just say that. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm really excited. I at least said, besides United Empire, uh, I am TMDK all fucking day. And yes, I stole Nick Gage's gimmick. Um, you know, they, they were big in Ring of Honor uh, back in 2011, 2012, so it's cool to see those guys get their flowers. Um, you know, the New Japan Strong guys, these guys we've been hearing about for years, you know, Coughlin and Kid. Um, obviously, I'm excited about Jeff Cobb. Um, and honestly, I was kind of shocked that this is Eddie Kingston's first G1. You would not have thought that. I mean, he's been doing this for so long, and uh, I'm happy for him. You know, I know it's something that he's wanted to get off his bucket list for a long time, so... Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready to strap the fuck in here, so I'm excited. Right on, right on. Okay, let's talk some stardom since Brett has been patiently waiting <laughs> to take a dump on stardom. And this is probably the reason why. We had talked the last time we had aired or recorded, this was going to be the main event. You'd had one Tam Nakano versus Mina Shirakawa. Mina putting up her white belt, Tam putting up her red belt, double title match. Brett and I decided, well, not even decided, we had discussed this and both said that there is no way, no way that Mina is going to win the white belt. 
and then cough it up so quickly. So, but obviously by the music that happened, Mina Shirakawa loses the white belt to Tam. Tam is now double champion. I'll let you go, Brett. You've been waiting patiently. You said you were down on starter in our text thread. I have, I'll be honest, I have not seen a lot of the match. I haven't seen any matches since this show actually happened. So, I'll let you go first. Take it away. Yeah, and I, so I just watched this match and the Artist of Stardom match today just because after Kevin Kelly had spoiled that Tam Nakano became double champ, it really took uh, some of the wind out of my sails of caring. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the whole I wish Julia was champ still thing because we all know where I stand on that. And this is not me, not anti-Tam Nakano in any way. I think you know that. Like, I definitely like her. But of all people that you're going to anoint as double champ in this company that has made both of these championships feel so important in the last few years since I've started watching, you put it on someone who, in my opinion, isn't even a top three star in the company. And the match just did. It was a fine match. I agreed with you. I'm four stars on it. Um, Might have been a little higher if I wasn't aware of the winner, but... It just, hollow is not the word I want to use, but it just didn't feel like a match of this significance with both championships on the line and surprisingly not a draw like we had assumed it would be. Only 17.43 um, the final time, but it just doesn't feel right. Like, you know, Julia's title win was such this big moment and, you know, she everything she did and went through to get to that point and, like, Tam just up and beats Julia and then two months later beats Mina and it's just like, eh, it just doesn't, doesn't feel like a big deal as it should. Um, and again, I really like Tam Nakano. She's great. Uh, but it just doesn't feel right. And just doesn't feel that important. And, uh, I'm just frankly not nearly as interested in stardom as I was three months ago. I mean, I'm still going to watch maybe not quite as much or maybe not quite as intently as I was, but the booking is just very curious and I have no idea where we go from here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. And the whole show, like, obviously we're not going to talk about all of it at this point. Cause I don't really have the time, but you had kind of preempted me like, yeah, it's a pretty mid show. And it really was like, just not really too much exciting here. Yeah, the artist match with Julia, my Sakurai, and Fleka beating Kyrie Natsboy and Soriano, probably the match of the night, also at four stars. But, you know, fucking Azumi loses her belt to Saki Kashima, who, you know, we like, but it's like, that's it after, what, 15 months? You see, loses in five minutes when that's done? Like, I just uh, feel like I got a lot of stink on me after this show, but uh, how are you feeling about it all? Um, Very surprised by the main event. Um, Like I said, I thought this was the time where you could have built Mina up. Now it looks like they're going, she and I can't, I can't remember who it is, uh, is going after the guys' titles, which was a huge surprise. Um, Booking is questionable. I'm not sure where it's going. The fact that Stardom World hasn't put their shows in order like they've have in the past has kind of thrown me off. I'm seeing, you know, storylines that are going to happen and I haven't seen them yet. So 
I'm with you. I'm kind of, I'm questioning the booking. So that makes me not really want to watch what's happening next. And the fact that it's kind of been out of order has kind of thrown me off. Nothing about this card I thought was anything that you needed to go break your neck and go and watch. Um, even post-match surprise, Mirai comes out and only challenges for the white belt. I'm like, okay, so why the fuck are we doing this? This has oh, I didn't even I didn't even watch that. I uh, just turned it off. <laughs> I, 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 I was well, I was mad too, and I was just like, okay, but then you know, I'm watching uh, the night of, and Tam and Mina are in the ring, and basically they they're basically you know trying to figure out what's next. Tam's like, you could come back to Cosmic Games if you want to. Me is like, fuck you, I'm never coming back. You know, I'm getting my <laughs> shit back. And then you know, Mirai comes out and challenges for the white belt, and Tam's like, you do realize I have two titles, right? She's like, yeah, I realize that, but I'm not only experienced enough for the white belt in my mind. I'm like, okay. So, what, why, why have these two titles on this person? That, I get it, but then I don't get it. It makes no sense. If you're going to have a double champion, why not have their butt? Anyway, biggest beef with that from that point. A bunch of mid, like I said, I don't necessarily have a problem with Azumi losing. I think it's probably her time. Move her up. But she needs to be challenging for the white belt. Now we got to figure out how we split this shit up. That's the other thing, man. Yeah, that's always the question with this shit. Is, and it's happened with Roman Reigns, and then now it just, you know, I don't even want to talk about all that, whatever. But, yeah, it's like if Mirai's just going for the white, if she wins – then that just makes your red belt champion look weak. You know, like if and whenever she loses that white belt, it's just going to almost devalue the red belt or vice versa. So, yeah, I don't like it one bit. Yeah, I don't get it. I get it, but I don't get it. I, I, don't, I can't even say I, I, I get it. I don't get it period point blank let's go down the five star uh, lineup real quick they announced that too and then we can move on to the two matches that we need to talk about uh in no particular order mayu iwatani hazuki atami Uzumi, saya kamatini nakatsu starlight kid momo iwatami julia micah tam nakano nasboy soriano suri mirai amisore mina shirakawa Suzu Suzuki and two open spots. Hopefully, knock on wood, Mariah May gets one of those two open spots. Now, let's talk about the two matches that we want to talk about so we can get Brett out of here. Number one, Brett, mm -hmm. I'll let you talk about Kano and Nakajima, and then we can talk about the DDT final as well. Yeah, and real quick before that, the one uh, happy thing coming out of this show is Mariah, our girl Mariah May potentially, you know, kind of mixing it up with Mayu Iwatani. So could there be an IWGP women's championship match between those two? That would be exciting. Um, and then just on the five star real quick, I don't even really care. You know, like, yes, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to do my best to get excited, but it's just like last year it meant, so much more and Julia's run through that and getting the W uh, and obviously I'm a big Julia guy but to me like just nothing seems to matter nearly as much as it did back when Utami was champ and that Shuri was champ and you know Julia's short range so hopefully they can kind of figure it out but uh, this is definitely the lowest point for stardom since I started following in early 2021 but um uh, so, uh, which one of these do you want to do first? The one you want to do first. I know which one I'm thinking of. 
Oh, well, then we're definitely doing uh, fucking Chris Brooks and Kazusada Higuchi. Oh, King- you fooled me. Okay, cool, cool. Go, go. Well, you know, this was the one I was higher on. I went five stars on this match, and I was four, seven, five on the other one. But, yeah, this was the King of DDT final. As I've said on this show before, you know, you know I'm a big Higuchi guy, obviously. I think in Got a vacuum, he's... He's one of the best five wrestlers going right now, probably. But we, you know, once he lost his title earlier this year to Yuji Hino, you know, my, which that was another five star match. Uh, two of my seven this year are Iguchi. He's the only one I've got with two five star matches this year. So that's something. But I just hadn't been as interested in it since he lost it. But I saw that this was the final match. And I'm like, okay, I love Chris Brooks. We all know how I feel about Iguchi. And holy shit, uh, when fucking Higuchi was taking that, what, that metal case that he just literally threw at his head multiple times, oh, and the man. motherfucker just no-sells it, like, he is a freak of nature, literally. And I remember texting you guys, and like, I just saw one of the most badass things I've ever seen in a match. And not only that, he just looks like he doesn't feel pain ever. True. And the headbutts, you know, I don't know, you know, I've always kind of got mixed feelings on headbutts, but again, they never seem to affect him. Um, but Brooks, real, I mean, obviously Higuchi, you know, was Higuchi to a T and just a fucking monster, but what a baby face underdog performance by Chris Brooks. Um, best match of his career that I've seen. I know I, you know, I haven't really seen any of his progress stuff, but I've seen a good chunk of his DDT stuff the past few years. You both know how I feel about his theme song. One of my favorites in the world. I've turned my TV up to 100 every time it comes on. But, yeah, he just kept fighting, kept fighting, kept getting up, kept getting up, and got the surprise. Well, I thought he was going to win, but in kayfabe, a surprising win over the fucking monster that is Gucci. And this is another one I can't wait to watch again, but... In the moment, five stars. I thought this was just incredible, incredible stuff. And both guys just looked so good here. Tom, did you watch this? I did not, unfortunately. But I have seen Chris Brooks. Uh, he, when he was stateside a little bit, he wrestled for AAW a couple times. So okay, I have, yeah. So I am familiar with Chris Brooks. So. Um, nice. You you'll just have to get my Wrestle Kingdom, uh, well, not Wrestle King, Wrestle Universe uh, passcode, and uh, you can watch this nonsense. It's worth the watch. Chris Brooks damn near took Higuchi's uh, arm off for the finish. I was just like, Jesus, fucking tap out for Christ's sake! I know you're the man, but just tap for fucking Christ's sake. Speaking of, I wish you should have tapped. Let's talk about Kano versus Nakajima. Uh, this was their first match since. Nakajima left uh, Congo, and now this is their match that they had afterwards. Brett, I'll let you start once again. What did you think? Yeah, well, firstly, I, I kind of want to hear your take on Brooks Taguchi. Oh, I thought it was – I had no idea who was going to win. I've th- never seen Chris Brooks singles, but obviously you've got me hooked on Taguchi. Uh, the, the, uh, the metal sh- uh, tray shot – is one of the spots that I, that always stands out. The headbutts afterwards, it just felt like it was. It felt like watching, and I hate to even say another promotion, but Brock Cody, 
Brock is Brock. Gucci is Brock in this case. And Chris Brooks, God bless that dude, was fighting from underneath, busted up. Everything it looked like was not really working until he got the octopus submission on. And then when he fell back and then he really got the wrench in that arm back, it was I'm like, okay, you going to tap or somebody going to stop this shit? Because this arm is going to come off one way or the other. I thought it was really good from start to finish. I gave it four and a half. It probably should be four, seven, five. But like I said, I thought it was really good. Just watched it today. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. Um, I thought I it was guess re- I guess I see what you mean about Brock and Cody, but I think Brock and Cody, uh, what was that last night of champions is uh, the worst match of the year. And I'm not even kidding when I say that. Uh, we don't need to get into that, but I thought that was fucking terrible. Um, so yeah, oh, I'm not talking execution of the shit. I'm just saying, you know, no, no, I know, I know. You look at these two jokers, and get, you can guess what's going to yeah. happen. Um, like I said, four and a half for me on that. Uh, Kano Nakajima, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I mean, woo, 45 minute time limit draw. So you know, before this match, I'm like, got to get because it was no commentary. It was a smaller show. Um, it's like. Really? They're doing this here? But so I'm like, okay, well, they could just do another draw and then do it again on a bigger show. And I just assumed it would be a 30-minute match. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, there's definitely been over 30 minutes. <laughs> just keeps going and going and going. Turns out it was 45. But, I mean, again, what else could you want out of these two? And, you know, the no commentary aided in the fact that you could just hear them laying in those fucking kicks that much more. Um, I went four, seven, five on this, you know, easily could have been a five-star match, but I think, you know, the lack of commentary and it does not take you out of it, but you know, we just talked about how much Kevin Kelly and crew can add to a match that I think Stewart and Mark Pickering could have helped bring this up to a five-star match, but the work was excellent, but it just, to me, felt telegraphed to a draw, um, so that's probably why I didn't give it the full five. But my God, they just beat the piss out of each other. And, you know, got to feel like we're going to see this again on a bigger stage sooner than later. Um, but I know you you went five stars on it, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm, and I've depended yeah. on the fact that can a, a draw be a five-star match? It, for me, this oh, yeah. is easily a five-star match. I mean, both guys just left it in the ring, kept me captivated. I was like you. I'm like, okay, this has been... This should be like 30 minutes. It's gone past 30 <laughs> minutes, right? I'm like, whoa, yeah. oh, shit. So then that's when, that's when I started to really get into it because now I'm like, okay, which of you jokers is going to be ready to fold? Because I wasn't sure if any, either guy was getting ready to lose this match. I'm happy with the draw. No problem with it. The N1's creeping around the corner. They'll do this again at that point, and I'm totally okay with that. Draw is the draw. It is what it is. Neither guy loses anything, and they're going to run it back. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a match worth watching for sure sure uh did we miss anything else i don't think so sorry to kind of have to blow through the end here but uh i want tom to shout out his 16 podcasts and where we can find them and all that other good shit but uh go do your thing and uh, i will talk to you sometime this week yeah and just let me say tom thank you so much for coming on this was awesome and uh, you guys uh appreciate all you guys do and for having me on of course so Absolutely. Just happy that you are uh, locked into New Japan a little more now than you've been uh, during the tenure of our friendship. So can't wait uh, 
for the G1 and beyond. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, coming on. This was awesome. But, yeah, I am out. <laughs> hey, man, have a good time. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Uh, so let's finish it up. Uh, high five time. Give us all your socials, your, where to find the podcast, all that good shit. Um, well, I mean, uh, you can, uh, well, follow me at high five, Tom, uh, like Chad always says, that's, uh, the number five, not spelled or five spelled out. Um, that's my main Twitter. I do. We do finally have a ring of honor revelry, uh, dedicated Twitter. I do have a Midwestern dressing roundup Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I've got the two main podcasts. Like I said, the, the Midwestern wrestling roundup, if you're uh, in the Midwest area and want to hear, uh, good stuff, I'm going to have a. Uh, I've been doing like interviews and stuff like that on there. Got promoters, uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Tinder Mall, uh, Joey O'Farrell has Joey's in the house. Uh, so shout out to Joey. Uh, but yeah, then the main podcast is the Ring of Honor Revelry. Me and my buddy Will, uh, and we've been having guests on. Like I said, uh, Brett's partner in crime, Bo, is actually coming on on Wednesday. Nice. Uh, and we've been doing some watch alongs. Hopefully, JCB and uh, the aforementioned Azar are coming on. But yeah, that's Ring of Honor Revelry. I uh, heard on Visionaries, Globe Media, and Shining Wizards podcast. Uh, my other two have been a little bit of a hiatus. I'm hoping to get back on uh, the Chopping It Up with High Five Tom. I would like to have uh, the whole BFR crew, if not uh, maybe just Jason and Bill, just to tell their origin story. I still got to get Brett and Bo on, but uh, just having instant conversations with interesting people. And then I got a couple of showcases, uh, some movies coming up. Uh, me and my co-host, Will. Shout out to Will. I didn't mention him earlier. Um, are going to be reviewing the movie The Mist uh, coming up. Uh, me and my buddy Rob are going to be doing The Killer. Uh, i got a couple albums going out. But, uh, yeah, just follow me, High Five Time. That's the easiest place. I'm not good at social media. Uh, so if I miss something, don't hate me. But, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Mr. JCB here is going to be joining me soon. And, uh, yeah, we'll That's talk about that. That's the plan. That so, is the plan. Uh, so just on our side of the fence, uh, Obviously, Phoenix Splash Podcast on Twitter um, at Phoenix uh, spelled P H X Splash Pod. Uh, myself, obviously, I, we threw that out. BFR underscore PHP underscore JCB. Um, YouTube, I have thoughts about that. Maybe that could be a watch along at some point before the year is out so we can put some content on there. Um, I believe that's Phoenix Splash Podcast as well. So other things to look out for on this side of the fence. Um, I guess my final note before we get out of here is I always talk about, you know, giving things a chance and opening up new doors and new horizons. And maybe if you watch this match, it would open up a, a, a whole new promotion that you usually don't watch. High five, Tom. Thank you for being a shining example of what I have preached on many, many occasions. I thank you for coming on the Phoenix Splash podcast. Obviously, the pleasure was all ours. Obviously, we'll have you back somewhere down the line, probably sooner versus later. G1 might be a scenario where you might want to circle a date and keep it open for your boys. But um, I think that's covered on our end. I I think I covered it. Did I cover it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I covered it. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Um, Yeah, follow Visionary Global Media. You know, all the great shows on there. So that's Um, there you go. Thank you. Follow Visual Global Media Network. PSPs on there. Obviously, Tom 16 podcasts are on there. Band from Ringsides on there. Brainbuster Boys are on there. 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons are on there. I, uh, there's so much stuff. Good cop, bad cop. I'm sure I'm forgetting yep. somebody else. Uh, view from the top rope. Every now and then, they grace us with our presence. Got to remember to shout out the bosses. So, on yeah. that lovely note, it's time to bid you all adieu. Thank you for taking this flight with us for High Five Time. For Brett, for the Brain Buster Boys, I'm your humble host, Jason Cornelius Bell, JCB. We'll see you on the other side. Enjoy the rest of the evening. We'll talk to you. Uh, I'm guessing around Forbidden Door, but we'll just see what happens. Uh, once again, thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Bye.